basically it's going to be a podcast. It's going to be a monthly podcast, and it's going to be based around everything: sales, leadership, adding value to people, training people, managing people, inspiring people, uh, just everything wrapped around that. Uh, we'll probably get into a lot more subjects while speaking about other stuff, but that's a. Uh, the whole point of the podcast is to add some value to people in the industry, trying to get into the sales industry, or just people in general, because a lot of the things we talk about are transferable to any industry and just basic life skills. So today we're going to have the lovely Amanda, uh, who works with me on a daily basis, sit here and interrogate me and ask me questions, which yeah. I'll answer. So I think, obviously, you've said what this podcast is going to be about so why are you qualified to talk about it? How oh. did you get into this? A bit of your story would be a good place to start. Yeah, wouldn't they say qualified? I hate thinking that I'm qualified. A little bit of imposter syndrome. I think I'm qualified. I definitely have loads of experience. I think it's good experience and I hope that when I do share it. All right, let me explain less. I've been training and teaching people for 21 years and I suppose the results speak for themselves. I've trained a lot of people to make a lot of money in sales. Sales managers, sales leaders, sales people, boys, girls, old, young, you know, 20 odd different countries. So I suppose my experience and results, I've done this in three different continents. I spoke at seminars, I've won loads of awards. I built sales companies from scratch. I've worked with over 20 different clients in 20 different sectors. Uh, so I suppose results based, I do have the experience to add some value, but still don't feel like I'm qualified, would probably say that, um, which is one of the sales things you need to learn is a little bit of humility. So yeah, I've been doing it a long time, had a lot of success, but still don't feel like, you know, it took a lot for me to do this mm. and put myself out there. And I have this. been asking for a year. Yeah, you have, because <laughs> I just, I, I, I know that if I'm being really honest, I, I just think who would listen to me and what value can I add? So I suppose and loads of people have told me that I should do this because I can add value. So yeah. we'll give the people what they want and see what happens. Huh? I like that. So I want to say qualified. I don't feel qualified. I just want to share my experiences with people because, you know, I... I'm only good at stuff because of the information I got from other people who were more experienced and I'm a wee bit older than most. I never had Instagram and TikTok and Snapchat. I never had that. I had to physically go find mentors, which I think we'll talk about. Yeah. Uh, I had to go physically find people. So these days, you know, people can look at their phone. I think no understanding something or not being good at something is just sheer laziness these mm -hmm. days because all you have to do is open up Insta uh, or TikTok or YouTube and you can find limitless information on anything you want in the whole entire world. So, you know, we'll, uh, we'll do the podcast, we'll do some other stuff and try and share it and you know if we add some value I'll be happy great well you're very humble but I think watching in the last six years you definitely do have some knowledge to share no so. just a little bit I <laughs> know you know a thing or no. two I can talk it doesn't yeah. mean it's valuable <laughs> so we covered what all these podcasts will be about yep. I think it's important to say this one will be very sales focused and sales specific yep everyone's got to have a wee a theme. topic yeah, yeah. A wee theme a wee theme we'll talk about we might venture into some other topics yep. along the way but that's yeah theme drawn sales specifically so starting with sales because i think that was that was the beginning of the journey for you you could say mm -hmm. so why sales why did you choose sales why did you decide that was uh, your career same story i suppose as most people in the sales industry no one grew up wanting to be a salesperson i don't ever remember sitting in class and them going around the room and they're asking everybody what to do, they do in the future and no one ever put their hand up and says sales. It comes with a stigma, right? It comes with us. Mm -hmm. even even though every company in the planet needs it, to me it's the most valuable skill on the planet you can learn because it's a it's a life hack or a life skill. 
it makes you valuable in a company when you can produce money. Always, it's, it's a stigma with it. Yeah. So like everybody else, I hit 22 years old. I call it the career crisis age. Mm-hmm. People either leave uni, uh, realise that they don't want to follow through with uni, they get a wee bit lost, or people have not went to university and have went any jobs for their 16 and realise they keep doing these jobs that are meaningless and they just mean money at the end of the day and we get into this wee, either through peer pressure or parents or society or or just in our own heads, uh, we need to find something serious now, it's mm-hmm. time, to, time to grow up. Grow up. And so I had that, and uh, my parents sat me down, I had what uh, I'd been to the, I'd been to the forces, which was my, my dream job to have a kid, I had to come out of that, because that's what I says in school mm-hmm. I wanted to do. Uh, I had worked in optics, I'd worked in warehouses, worked in factories, uh, I just done loads of jobs, and I kept changing jobs, and my parents got really upset at me, and my mum sat me down one day and says, when are you going to, when are you going to stick to something? Because I'd literally sometimes get into a job and walk home halfway during my first day and quit. My mum would look, put her hand on her head and say, not, not again. again. <laughs> but going back to, all right, this was maybe 2001, 2002. The economy was much different. I literally, if you were going to do manual labour, I could literally quit a job on a Monday and have another one on a Tuesday. So I had the luxury of being able to just walk in. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I think... The hardest interview I had in my life was the army. Every other interview was, when can you start? I got a job and I actually worked for Specsavers and I got a job. This is one of the tangents we'll go off on. And I, I walked in with a shirt and tie on in the Trongate in Glasgow and I'd just come away for the army and training. I didn't know what to do and I applied for the first thing in the job centre because I've always done jobs for I was 11, so I wanted to work, not collect money for the government. Mm. And I walked in and there was a guy called Sorab Khan and Jim Dixon and this was my first like proper interview because the other one was the army, yeah. which was a fitness test, which yeah. was to me easy. Easy. And I walked in the door and they says, are you here for the interview? And I says, yeah. And they're like, job's yours. What's your name? And I'm like, why? And they're like, you're the first boy out of 35 people to turn up a shirt and tie on today. So you got the job. Yeah. So That's again, insane. the world I lived in or the economy made it easy for me to just quit a job mm-hmm. and keep trying things. And I remember saying to my mum, I says, when I find something that I'm excited about going to on a Monday, I promise one will settle and two will be successful. Mm. I just don't know what that is or what that looks like. I just actually remember saying, I know I'll be the boss of something one day. I know that. I just need to find the thing, yeah. find that stuff. Uh, and when I found sales, I was thinking about, I couldn't find the thing. I couldn't find that thing or stuff or something that made me happy. And I thought, okay, the only thing that would make me happy is got the, the forces. But that was just challenge, adventure, teamwork, growth, traveling the world and just all these. That was, it was an escape for the everyday life. Yeah. I'll go work in oil. I thought if I'm going to be miserable doing a job, I might be miserable for 50 grand a year than 10 grand a year. Yeah, because that's uh, what your dad did, wasn't it? Yep. My, it was always a backup plan, but also they work half the year. So I'm like, mm. rather than be miserable 12 months, <laughs> why don't I be miserable for six? True. Why yeah. don't I be miserable for six months? And then I boxed at the time. So I'm like, let me be miserable for six months. Another time I can box and be happy. Yeah. I'm like, so that was the dilemma I was in. And then I seen an ad on a construction site on a Monday. And it says, salespeople wanted, no experience necessary. At that point, I didn't care about this. I didn't care about anything. I'm just like, they says they'll train me something. So I applied to it. Uh, I went out and watched the girl do business to business sales. Mm-hmm. Within two hours, I'm like, this is not a real job. And what I mean by real job was you get to put a suit on. I called it dressing up at the time because I'd never worn a suit before. I'm like, so I get to dress up every day, look good, feel good, talk to people mm-hmm. all day, have banter. And I'm like, you pay me for it? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, this is the easiest job I've ever seen in the world. I yeah. talk. Because 
backtrack, always being quite chatty, very sociable person, always getting told to shut up in other jobs. The army, <laughs> I had a lot of press-ups and training for not for talking. Yeah. I had a lot of press-ups. So I get caught all the time trying to talk to people whilst I'm supposed to be silent and drills. Sound like you. Yeah. So I, for the first time, I think I found something that, that gave me everything that I wanted, which was fun. Mm-hmm. It was enjoyable because you get to talk to customers every day you never seen the same person twice you get to travel anywhere you wanted so the idea of waking up and deciding where i traveled every day was great because if i felt like i was in a little quiet mood and i wanted to relax i'd go a wee town and do sales and if i wanted a bit of madness i'd stay in class going so you could kind of pick the demographic of people you wanted to talk to um and the people in it seemed to be very positive and it's the first time actually when i got into sales i thought everybody was was crazy Mm -hmm. But I realised it's the first time I'd ever been in an environment where everybody was happy, which in itself is weird. And anybody who comes into sales from something else, the first they look in everybody's faces like a rabbit in headlights. <laughs> because seen that a few times. Yeah, it's all right on a Friday. It seems that when you see people start sales on a Friday, yeah. you think, oh, it's Friday, everybody's happy and everybody's excited. But when people start on a Monday, you see this weird look that they get. It's just mm. like, what the and you got all these people that are genuinely motivated and you've not got one or two that are motivated there's a room full of people whether it be 15 people or 40 people or 50 people and there's just this atmosphere of excitement mm-hmm. which in itself is really weird yeah because that's not school for the most part it's not uni for the most part it's no jobs for the most part i mean i remember being when i was 22 i thought and i actually had a conversation with my mum before the career crisis thing i'm like do you just be miserable until you're 65 and then retire and you know play bowling and die is that is this how this works because <sighs> Every job I'm in, the people that were twice major and three times major were just miserable all the time. So I think I think I've lost track of the question, but <laughs> to get into sales was the fun part. I think uh so it gave me the fun. Uh, it gave me the same adventure that something like being in the forces would do. It's challenging, uh mentally and physically super challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh I worked on I've worked in commission and performance based for my whole career in sales mm-hmm. and I like that pressure. I like the idea also that I get paid what I was worth. I remember when they told me it was commission only, actually. And I says that my, 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 my reaction to it was pure because I says, does that mean I'm the best person? I get paid the most money. Yeah. And she says, yes. And I'm like, I'm going to be the best person then mm. because I'd never been in a position before. I've been 22, 23 years old. I was paid based on age. I was paid based on experience in a role or I was paid based on favoritism sometimes and just quite political and construction sites where, you know, you get more work or you get extra hours and you get the, the double pay days if you're in with the group and you go mm-hmm. to the pub with the lads or you support the right football team in Glasgow sometimes. Uh, so I get excited for the for the fun. I got mm-hmm. excited for the adventure. I got excited for the pressure. I got excited about the money. Above all else, I got excited about it because it's something where I knew I wouldn't become stagnant. Sales is a is like sport. You can always improve. But unlike sport, you don't have a 10-year career. Yeah. You can still sell when you're 80, 90, 100 if you're still functional, right? So the idea that you could go into a career where you're always going to be able to get better if you choose to, that appealed to me. Yeah. Again, the, the four season. So literally, it gave me all the same enjoyment that's in challenge and teamwork and individual effort and rewards as the forces would give me but it gave me the same money as oil. Mm. And I didn't have to leave the house for six months with a yeah. kid. So that was all really, it ticked just loads of boxes for me. Best of both worlds. Yeah. And I told my mum I was going to try it. My parents weren't happy I was going to try it. But I says, give me six weeks. Might be the best decision ever make or the worst. Mm. But let me make a decision. Not silly. Seems fine. And I six weeks later went home and told my mum it was going to be my career. 
Yeah. Well, I've heard you say before that you always said this will be your career. You'll have this career till you're 40, 45. Yep. And it's coming up soon in the next few months for you. Oh, no, I did on So what's, the, what's nah. the story there? Is this your career for the next 45 years as but well? Not got a time frame on it, but I'll be in sales and teaching sales and be involved with the sales world until I drop. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's like, good news. I'll explain why. When you get money, people stay, leave jobs, or stay and leave relationships for a couple of reasons. Mm -hmm. Well, let's just say jobs, right? So people come and go, fun money and development. Mm. Everybody just wants to enjoy what they do. Everybody wants to feel like they've at least got a chance and they're getting value added and, 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 and getting development. And we need money. It's not about why to be rich. It's about mm. the necessity of having cash. And I think now, more than ever, I've started to see a change it's, it, the, the, we're going through a gigabyte time which is more and more people being self-sufficient and small companies and small self-employed people and we've seen a change mm -hmm. in the amount of people that want to get any sales mm -hmm. because people talk about this big word that you know this thing stability mm -hmm. like I think a lot of people realised hate bringing it up but I think a lot of people realised that they were just a number during lockdown a yeah. lot didn't a lot of companies done a good job of really taking care of people and have, helping them manage their, their mental state through it and financially through it and kept their jobs and you know, done all this stuff and but there was a lot of people got like dropped like flies quite quickly and a lot of people realized that they had to be self-sufficient so i think if you're getting those three things for any job not just sales you can do anything like your job mm -hmm. you you don't sell but your operations and you get excited about a spreadsheet you enjoy what you do really good at it too <laughs> yeah of course right yeah but it, it doesn't have to be sales yeah. like you're still here and you you you, you know, I'm guessing you're still here because you enjoy what you do. You have fun. Mm. We have a lot of fun. If you're on a TikTok and Instagram, you'll see that. We dance a lot. We we have a lot of banter, which we're going to keep off this podcast. Yep. Uh, but, you know, if there wasn't a chance for you to make more money, you'd go somewhere else. And that's that's what makes us autic. And when you get all those things, it gives you dopamine. And when you get dopamine and feel good, you start to get addicted. Like, it's quite weird when you find that. Instead of a Sunday night, that tight chest dread, I'm going to work tomorrow feeling, you'll get mm. the... I actually can't wait to go to work tomorrow mm -hmm. and see the people and do the thing. Like when I see you with a spreadsheet and you get excited that you, you know, for me, spreadsheet, uh, <laughs> cortisol, yeah. stress, right? It's like, I see a person I need to talk to and sell to it. I get dopamine. I'm like, yeah. let's go and have a conversation. Give me a crowd. Let me talk in front of them. Because mm -hmm. uh, I'm not very shy as you'll notice in this. But Amanda does that with a spreadsheet. But it's the same thing. You're getting a dopamine mm -hmm. kick from it. So therefore, you get excited about doing it. And so sales for me just gives me that and anything else I've looked at or tried just doesn't give the same yeah. kick and what's funny is I always talk to people that and I, I, I interview people a lot and anybody who's been in sales that's been good at it and gets the dopamine from it oh, can't go away from it and if they do they don't stay away very long because again you don't get that dopamine mm. anywhere else it is it's addictive yep. we've seen I think especially when we came back from COVID we definitely saw a lot of people who were in sales previously be like, this is what I want to do now because I've realized that there is no stability like sales yep. and there is no fun like sales as well. I think everyone also realized life's too short to do something that you don't enjoy. Um, and I also think the other thing, and this kind of leads on to the next question is why are so sales so valuable? But I remember a conversation that we had when COVID was happening. Obviously, we managed to pivot and we made plans and yep. we figured it all out and things like that but I remember you saying to me because I know how to sell I'll never not have a job yep. and you would tell me you told me your business plan of going to wash windows and stuff like that and I think that's that my next question is how are sales 
why are sales such a valuable skill? And I think the last couple of years have really proved its value. Uh, I'll give you the short version or as short as I can because I can go off on a tangent. It's funny you say that. Can I, can, I, can I tell a backstory to that? Right. Those plans came from my wife being worried. Yeah. So obviously we specialize in face-to-face -face sales, right? So we, we, we go. So COVID happens. You're not allowed to go within two meters of someone. We're done. Mm -hmm. Everybody's in the unknown. My wife's panicking, freaking out. And she's like, what if your business never comes back and they never allow people to go do face-to-face -face sales again or whatever? Mm -hmm. And I just remember I had to quickly think in my feet about reassuring my family that we would be all right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, if I have to wash windows, I wash windows. And I broke down within a day. I had a breakdown of how much I would charge, how many customers I need to generate the money that we needed to live. And I'm like, and I'll just go knocking doors and I'll mm -hmm. just pitch people. I also said still that worst case scenario, I would go to the pound shop I'd spend a hundred quid, I'd buy a hundred things, I'd sell them for three quid each, get 300, take that, buy more, and so on and so mm -hmm. forth. So getting back to the, the the sales skill and why it's so valuable is people talk about financial security and think this blanket of having a, a stable, I'm going to say stable job, because it's only stable if someone decides you don't have one, right? Yeah. If someone else controls whether you make money or not, it's not exactly stable, it's not yeah. exactly secure, because you could walk in... I seen this in 2007 to 10 in the crash, just walk in a room and go, company's shut, you're, you're done. done overnight. We're just talking about a hotel. We're not mentioning the name in case we get slaughtered for it. <laughs> but we just passed a hotel. You say you can't believe it's shut and you just told me it'd been open a short amount of time yeah. and laid everybody off and they're kicking off about redundancies. Mm. Now that's a big brand hotel. Everybody that would have joined that hotel would say, I'm secure, I'm with a big brand. Mm. Hotel decides there's not enough business. We lay everybody off and everybody's jobless and I guarantee it was just before Christmas. It was, yeah. Yep, so there's not, I've lost the chip, yeah. So there's that, that's not really stability. So I think sales is valuable for various reasons. I think the most important one, if you learn the art, we used to call it magic. We used to actually take paper contracts out to people mm -hmm. and I used to call it magic and I say, I can turn this piece of paper out to £3,000. And people, what do you mean? I'm like, when I get a customer to sign a contract for our clients, that's three grand in revenue for the client. I don't get three grand. I a small piece of the pie. But I produce three. Mm. If I do three of them, I produce nine grand from nothing today. Yeah. Once you learn the art of turning nothing into something, and it's called creating business. People who sell create business, customer service people, no offense, retail people. You know, if you work in Arnold Clark, there's an element of sales, but the customer walks. You don't, you don't really create business. Mm. You serve people. Someone comes in wanting a car. Yeah, if you if you yeah. can if you can go send sell ten cars knocking doors, you're a salesperson, mm -hmm. right? You go create business that wouldn't have existed yeah. otherwise unless you actually went and done that. That builds self belief and self confidence, mm -hmm. but then self belief and self confidence builds. It's called financial confidence, and financial yeah. confidence means no matter what, I'll always find a way of making money because you can buy and sell everything. Mm -hmm. You can go sell glasses. Roundhouses or businesses, you could sell pens as, and, and even let's just talk jobs. Mm -hmm. Every company in the planet sells a service or a product. So I always knew even back when I was 22 or 23, whenever I started, and I remember thinking, very worst case scenario, I'll make myself more employable mm -hmm. because every company in the planet sells something. So if I get good at sales and I go for an interview, one, I'll be better selling myself mm -hmm. to, to get a job, so it'll make me more employable. But but number two, they they need to sell stuff. Yeah. It doesn't matter what company you work for on the planet. There's a there's somebody who makes the business happen. There's there's salespeople everywhere. And if people don't buy stuff, there is no company. Mm. 
So people look down on salespeople and, and look very down on salespeople, but I'm sorry to say this, but without the people that sell, no one else has a job. Mm-hmm. If Apple stops selling phones, if it's behind there, that, and let's look at Apple's marketing, they don't have people around homes or around businesses selling stuff, but when they put a TV commercial on, they're selling. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Somebody's coming up with, they've cre- done such a good job of getting us as a consumer go on and buy products and sell. Like, they're on like, McDonald's sales, like mm-hmm. when Ronald McDonald's a sales tool, the the branding they use as a sales tool, the colour code and the toys, it's all a tool to get us, the consumer, buy more. to buy more. So if you learn the art of getting people excited about taking action, which is spending cash online, offline, or, or signing contracts to use services, that's that's the most viable skill in the world. One, for, for your livelihood to make money, but two, two, I think, having that financial confidence that I'll always be able to make money, I think, takes away anxiety, yeah. which is when... You remember we didn't fluster when we got locked down. We just pivoted and we just found another way of making money. And I remember my wife looking at me after that conversation, actually, and she says, uh, she says, you're so reassuring. Why can you be so reassuring? And it's only because I believed that I can make stuff happen. Mm-hmm. And that only came from sales. Yeah. So I think it's valuable there. Um, another reason I think it's valuable is just selling is the art of communication. It's not, you know, if I sell a glass, I'm not going to talk about how good the glass is. I'm just going to communicate with human beings mm-hmm. and find people who like the glass and sell it to them. So it's the art of getting attention from people, getting people to like you in five seconds, getting people to trust you in five seconds. Uh, you know, because you can buy the glass anyway, you can buy any product online, but why do people still buy from people? Why do people still go to retail stores when you don't have to? Yeah. It's proof in the pudding. Yeah. Why do people go to restaurants when you can get delivery and just eat? Because we're social animals, so there's always that human connection. And my point here is, Learning sales is valuable because it makes you better to communicate with people, which in general will make you better at life. It'll help you get more things in life. It'll help you be a better parent. It'll help you be a better friend, brother, sister, daughter, mother, father, mm-hmm. just because you learn how to communicate things. I mean, even let's go kids. You're always selling the idea that kids should listen to you. Yeah. I think I'm a better dad because I'm I'm, I'm good at selling. I think, Actually, my 19-year-old daughter today, I asked her to do something for me on the phone this morning and her response to me was, you're a great salesman, James. Think about that as a career, maybe? Yeah, she's like, you're at, she's like, okay, no problem. By the way, you're a great salesman, James. And she's right. When I was asking her to do something, I structured it in a way I knew how to get what mm-hmm. I wanted at the end. And when I want my kids to do stuff, there's a, you know, everything's a pitch when you go look yep. for a partner. So I think it's valuable. One, it's employable. Two, it gives you financial mm-hmm. confidence. Three, if you're going to go run your own business, you're going to have to sell yourself anyway. And four, and I think this one's above all else, it just makes you better at life. Yeah. It makes your life a little bit more enjoyable. And I think, I mean, over the years that I've known you, never mind the 15 years that you've been in sales before, I think there's been so many people over that time that has messaged you and reached out to you to say, you know, I'm not necessarily in sales right now, but working in your business has really helped me because I've gone on to do X, Y, and Z. I've either started my own business or, you know, I interviewed for my dream job and I got it because I had confidence. So I think there's been a lot of proof, social proof over the years of people also coming back and thanking you and saying, yeah, you're right. It is It is true. You are a better person for it. Yep. I think anybody does six months in sales, yep. three months in sales. I mean, I think those two things should happen. People should... Go learn discipline somewhere. Yeah. I will not say the other one because it's quite controversial and, you know, people get all political and whatever. But <laughs> I definitely think, you know, I, I had my own son come in and do sales for yeah, a while. Yeah. I'd have all my kids come and do sales. They don't have to do it with me. They can go somewhere else and do it. But 
I think that the, the, the value system, it teaches you perseverance, mm -hmm. makes you resilient, teaches you to be positive, teaches you to communicate. I think there's a, I think there's a lot to be said about the skills. So yeah, now nah, I've had chocolates dropped off. I've had cards written. I've had drunken messages at four in the morning for <laughs> someone in Romania who worked with me during summer at uni in Glasgow five years ago, who's yeah. living their dream life. And now nah, I've actually had some quite soppy, long messages from guys, by the way, like, mm -hmm. you know, like proper... I would say like, you know, guy guys who aren't, when you worked with them, were quite dry and not emotional, but I get yeah. these wee emotional texts of, I just want to thank you for, I remember one guy messaged me and he's like, I knew I was horrible to work with and I was awkward and I didn't think he was awkward. He was just a guy. He was just, yeah. you know, he was just, he just challenged things. I don't think when people, I actually mm -hmm. quite like people that challenge things because it shows they're independent and stubborn. That's a good, I think it's a great trait, not mm -hmm. a bad one. Um, he was telling me about how his real estate career, I can't remember what country he was from. Hungary, Bulgaria, one of the two of that naked was lovely lad, came in for the summer during uni and he came in specifically to say, I want to learn sales because I want to do real estate. Mm -hmm. Spent three months with us, very short period of time. But I remember years later, I just I just got a message of the blue and it was about five paragraphs mm -hmm. of everything I learned from us. Mm -hmm. I got a nice message for another boy, a corner ferrier, mm -hmm. remember? Mm -hmm. He sent me a nice message not that long ago, just out the blue. Again, just, I suppose, of a moment. But it's funny because I actually have nearly sent a couple of people messages over yeah. the years. I don't want to be cheesy, so I didn't send them, but there's there's loads of people that I'd like to thank because mm. of what they taught me when I was in my 20s. Mm. And I think a lot of good moments that I have in my life, I'm I'm, I'm glad when, when lockdown happened, I was glad I'd been in sales yeah. and learned how to keep my attitude and learned how not to get emotional with things and, and learned quickly to think about how to adapt to the situation, mm -hmm. which we did quite well. I mean, wouldn't do it again, but we had a great time, not because we liked that, because we quickly accepted that it was an uncontrollable mm -hmm. situation and we just had to control what we could control. And we're better for it. I think we came out of it much stronger. Oh, yeah. And a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, people that have left have always been very grateful and thanked you and things. But I think also through what we do and, and seeing people who are still working with us and things, it's really interesting to see how in such a short period of time people can grow and change yep. and you know, if someone three months in, in kind of a sales business or, or people that we've kind of worked with, they're unrecognizable after three months because they've they've changed so much. And a lot of the times it's their, you know, their mentality or their attitude has changed and, and they yep. change their lifestyles. They change, you know, they change family trees. It's like what you like to say. I think it's interesting to see sales gives you a lot of growth in quite a short period of time in the grand scheme of things and you do see people go down one path mm -hmm. and drastically change it in three months and be a lot better for it yep i agree it's just because you jump in the deep end you're probably if you're in a sales role for a year you're probably and you're in a direct sales role mm. where you're approaching people and dealing with a lot of negativity you're you're taking a lot of experience in some other workplace maybe retail customer service something like that and you're cramming five years of experience into one mm. So you, you, you're kind of jumping on the deep end of the pool, I suppose, yeah. and having to swallow a lot of water quick. So, yeah, people do mature very quickly. I remember, sorry, you were saying that, and I, I remember my mum saying to me about three months in, she says, I don't care what you're doing. The fact that my son is excited about working this hard and how much you've grown up in three months, I couldn't care less what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Because she was very against it when I started, but I remember sitting in an Asda cafe she asked me how work was and I told her and she commented on 
how much I'd changed. Mm -hmm. Like my mentality, I seen the world very different and I, and I did mature. Every year I go in sales, I evolve and I'm a very different person for who I was 12 months ago. And it mm -hmm. still happens, which is great. So you're right. Uh, again, we see people come in with social anxiety. The amount of people, that, I remember this one wee kid, can't even remember his name, Habib. That was his name. He was wicked. And he came in and he couldn't even give me eye contact in his appointment. He couldn't look at me. He's it, it, very mm -hmm. uncomfortable looking, but I remember him. That's why he came in at sales. I've actually had that quite a lot. Where people come in and say, I say, why sales? Yeah. And they say, I'm really unsociable and I get nervous around people. I know this is going to be horrible, but it's the quickest way for me to fix that. Yeah. And I remember being so excited three months later when he was this confident young man who held his chest out and was good at sales and became this wee extrovert. This introvert that couldn't give me eye contact mm. was, I always remember, come in suited every day, dressed smart, he's a very serious little character, but when he came in to my interview, he talked to me like this. Yeah. And, and and again, if he hadn't told me his reasons for coming, I don't know if I would have hired him for a sales job, but when he says his reasons, why am I to stop you trying sales? Mm -hmm. It's like, because he knew I'm going to struggle, he knew he wasn't going to be the best straight away, but he's like, this is how I fix myself. I've seen that so many times. Mm -hmm. And, and so even for people that don't want to be in sales, it can add some value. Again, go back to the life value that I added to him. I've never heard from him since. I don't know how his life is. He's not one of the people that sent me a message, but I I, I just remember the change in him. And I just remember being happy. My, my rule with anybody who comes into sales and works with me is, as long as you're there for a period, right? If you're there for two days, you're going to stay the same. But if someone spent six months in sales with me, my only goal is they leave better than they came in the door. That's that. I don't care. Not everyone's going to come work with us or work in sales forever. I definitely think it serves a purpose. And if you look at most entrepreneurs on the planet, not, not all, but if you look a lot of them, there's a common denominator. They're all good at selling. Mm. And most of them, if you go on Insta or TikTok or you look at, you know, Gary Vee, Hermese, you look at all these these great people and all these big influences on loads, Ed Millett, they all talk about go learn sales because they understand the value in learning how to communicate. Mm -hmm. You know, companies like Martin Spencer's, Scotland's first billionaire, so Tom Hunter used to go direct selling, Renershaw in a van, and there seems to be a comment Richard Branson selling his, mm -hmm. his records on, you know, in the middle of London. So the, a lot of these people started out just trying to get their product to market and just, you know, they had an idea, they had a service, they had a product and, and took it. So I forget what the bloody question was, but... I think there go. was quite a few in there. <laughs> yeah. there so now we know why sales are so valuable and why it's something that I think everybody should seriously think about yeah. and, and do for a period of time. Um, what would your advice be to getting started? What would your advice be to someone who's might be watching this or might have been thinking for a while about getting into sales? What stop, would your advice be? Don't be scared and go for it. Mm. Take a risk. Everything's a risk. People that come into sales say, oh, it's a risk. What if I don't sell and what if I don't do it? Everything's a risk. Mm. You start in any company on the planet, it might shut down next week. The industry might go belly up. You can start one thing and tech takes over or AI or a bigger company comes in mm -hmm. and wipes that, you, you're done. So I think just go for it. Find a company that's willing to give you a chance with no experience. Uh, don't listen. I'm not saying don't listen to anybody. I'm not saying don't take people's advice, do take people's advice. But sometimes you just got to go with your gut. Mm -hmm. Like if I'd listened to everybody's advice, I'd be offshore, which is really funny because five years ago they paid off 100,000 boys in Scotland for offshore. I might have been jobless. I might have been you know, looking for a, a new, I don't know, I might still be there, but I wanted to get into drilling yeah. and they don't drill as much now as they used to. Mm. So I don't know if I would have had a job. So I think don't 
I think we ask other people's opinions too much sometimes about our decisions in life and that's all right to pass it by your counsel and a few different people but if you're thinking about getting sales if there's a wee thing in your tummy telling you to try it try it worst mm. case scenario you don't like it you're bad at it you quit you move on and you're back where you started mm. you're not going to get it worse yeah, no one comes true. into sales and gets worse no one comes in and loses confidence no one comes in and leaves worse than they came so yeah. you've absolutely nothing to lose so I would think just go for it in whatever capacity you are to try it mm -hmm. car sales a problem with a lot of people is a lot of companies look for experience we we don't look for experience we train from scratch and the reason I train them we're not pitching you to to apply and if you feel like it go for it sure yeah, <laughs> give us a call <laughs> Manda deals with us but yeah yeah. if you feel like it but I, 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 a lot of companies want experience I don't not want experience but sometimes the you know the the blank piece of paper if I want to draw something in this I first of all have to erase all this and then replace it and it might not look as neat and tidy as I'd want it to look whereas if I get a blank piece of paper I can do what I want on it so find somebody that's willing to and apply I don't just go apply to companies and get upset when I applied to drilling companies for offshore I applied to 123 companies and the reason I applied to 123 companies is that's all the drilling companies I could find and I, I physically that's a lot of is that just in Scotland that's a lot of companies anywhere I could find I found yeah. drilling companies and just fired my, actually posted my CV to everybody wasn't online I just again old I just posted my, my, my seat because I'm like someone and what's funny is when I get into sales I got I, I got a, I got a response from one wow and I got, offer, I got an offer I got an offer because I wanted to go as a roust which is entry level labourer and I wanted to get into that because most people that run drilling rigs started about and worked their way up so there was mm. advancement opportunities they travelled the world drilling and you know they weren't in the same place all the time obviously when you find oil you move on and go mm. some, somewhere else but even then as a young boy I understood it was a numbers game so if you want to get into a sales job first of all understand sales it's a numbers game that's that you mm -hmm. just got to apply just google sales jobs and apply to everybody and if you apply to enough of them somebody will say yes to you but a lot of people that I talk to say I've been thinking about getting into sales for years and it takes them years to pull the trigger pull the trigger and just go for it what's, yeah. what's the worst thing that's going to happen you suck yeah. you don't like it yeah, 100%. And I think, I do think sometimes people are put off because of there's a, a sales stereotype and there's a stigma attached to sales. Yeah. So what would you say to those people? There's no stigma. I used, I used to think the same thing. Uh, my nana told me to do sales when I was 18. Uh, generally, if I was 18, till I actually done it, she's like, you should do sales, son, you're in the wrong job. Mm. And I never quite, and she's like, you could talk for Scotland. I remember saying to my nana, I don't want to be one of those people. So I actually had that thought process yeah. and that's Opinion, that's that yeah. uh and I no offense to anybody that looks like this, but you know, I I feel offended tough actually. <laughs> He's unfiltered. So you know, I had this when I think salesperson pre coming into sales, I'd think big pinstripe shoot suit, open shot, hairy chest, gold chain, a mm. we go to somewhere are missing teeth and just sleazy pushy obnoxious I just didn't have it just wasn't it gives me the creeps or the ick we call it I just thinking about it but at that time I would have took anything and I was trying anything so the, the, I'm glad I came across it at the point I did because I came across it before I maybe I've prejudged it Yeah. but I didn't and I went out and I went to watch this girl who was professionally dressed she was lovely her name was Katrina Broadhead she just finished a business degree and she was sharp like if I'd seen her walking through town without knowing what she did for a living, I'm like, I don't know what that girl does, but she does something good. 
She's she, important. Powerful, yeah. important, fun, savvy. Yeah. And she was just lovely. And people were just lovely back. And I'm like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Mm. And what I realised then actually is it was an industry full of those people with a smoke, there's fire. Yeah, yeah, 100%. There is, but that's every industry. Mm-hmm. There's restaurants that don't sell what they say they sell. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's car garages that don't do the work they say they do. There's bad dentists, there's bad doctors, there's bad... In every mm-hmm. industry you get into, there's bad... But if I go into one restaurant and get a bad burger, I can't all of a sudden not go to you know, say I'm never going to another restaurant again, even in the same chain. Yeah. I could, do you know what I mean? I could be be one person. So there is a, a, a stigma that comes with that. But again, you might turn up to a company, get a job, and they're exactly what the stigma is. And unfortunately, because of sales, it's in such high demand and low supply, and even the supply, about 10% are good supply, 90% maybe not so good. So it's, such a high, it's in such high demand it's not a difficult thing to get into. Then there is a lot of people out there that don't do things professionally, yeah. don't do things properly. And unfortunately, you know, people tar the, the whole industry with it with the same thing. But not everybody in every industry. It's not like, you know, not every every person's bad in an industry because one or two yeah. people are. Even if the majority, there's always going to be a minority that are good. So, yeah, there is a stigma with it. But that, you know, you'll only find out when you go. Yeah. I think it's also then just that actually... It's, it's, it's not only just applying to sales jobs and getting one sales job and judging that job. Mm-hmm. If you don't like it, leave and go get another one until you find the right people mm-hmm. and find the right culture and find a, you know, something that suits you. And I suppose the most important thing, find a, comp- a company or people with moral compasses who have good values and are actually professional and actually care yeah. about the customer and doing things right because the other people don't care about the customer, don't have the right morals and they just want to make money. Yeah. I think something we always say to people when they come in and and sit with us when we go through our recruitment process we always say it as a two-way thing yes we need to make sure you're the right fit for us and you're somebody that you know we want to represent the clients that we work with and things like that and yes we do need to ask you questions to get to know you but it is equally as important for the candidate to get to know the company and just by going to an interview or an appointment or whatever you're not committing to anything you're not agreeing to anything you're just you're feeling it out. It's like going on a date. Is this the right fit for us? Does this work Actually, for us? Day, isn't it? And it's like, you can decide then that that's not for me and that's fine. And we we are people that come in and say, do you know what? This isn't for me. And yep. that's no problem. Or we'll, we'll wish you luck and, and genuinely mean that and hope you do find the right fit. And then yep. there's some people who we've met who have been at other sales companies and have come in and said, you are maybe a bit different to the other role because every company is going to be different. Mm-hmm. So I think it is important to... Date around. <laughs> different or better? We're a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Humility is a strong point, but you know, different or better, which is, anyway, we'll not get into that one. I was actually sat down at the beginning of my sales career in the first week. Can't remember exactly what day. And I was sat in a room and I was told by my coach, before you start your sales journey, I'm going to explain something to you. The industry has two types of people. The first person is the person that you've heard about and all the bad stuff. Mm. They, they do things wrong. They don't get about the customer. They just try to make a quick... He called that a buck because he yeah. was American. So he actually says they'll try to make a quick buck mm-hmm. and they're always changing companies and they're always changing industries because they're just chasing the next best thing. And yeah. he says if people never have any stability or real careers, they just move around a lot and they're the people you read about and they're the people yeah. you hear about. He says, and then there's other people who understand reputation is the most important thing on the planet mm-hmm. because the better the reputation you have, the better the clients, the better the clients, the better the product, the better the product, these are the sell and you actually build like a professional career for yourself in sales, those people don't lie, cheat, 
steal or say anything they can't back up in a courtroom. And they looked at me and says, just choose who you want to be. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately enough for me, I chose the second one. I, I've never said a word to a human being that I can't back up in a courtroom. Who's that dude for suits, Harvey Spectra? Mm-hmm. I always imagine he's interrogating me. And I'm like, every single word that comes out of my mouth has to be factual and has to be backed up mm-hmm. in a courtroom. I've never lost a client. I've never had complaints personally. Uh, we've never, I've never done anything wrong or had anybody complain about mm-hmm. my methods of doing it. When I've been in any service sales, I don't have high cancellations. I've very few cap because I do things professionally and do things properly. But again, there is people out there who don't share the the values and don't mm-hmm. have the same moral compass. Or maybe when they're lucky enough to have someone sit them down the first week and say, there is two people, just choose. Mm-hmm. So I think if you're going to get into it, one, you've got to apply to everyone, but go with an open mind and find people that, you know, fit. if you don't have a moral compass, no problem. Go work with those people. Yeah. If you do have one, find a company that shares the same values and has the same moral yeah, compass. Yeah, 100%. And from a company's point of view, you're saying there, there's two types of people. It always comes down a lot of the time to the right choice or the easy choice. Yep. You know, oh, yeah. it's, it's easy to make a quick buck, as they say, yep. but it's harder to build a good reputation and build a career and something that will span oh. a lifetime. So I think I think it is important to to go around and see what's out there. Yeah, there's loads of times where I, you know you 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 could cut a corner. Mm. If someone asks you a question, you can wing it and get. But you know, I think honesty is the best policy. Like I've always found in selling, like even selling from a an own point of view, mm. I'm I'm more willing to lose the money and sleep better at night than take the money and go to sleep anxious. Because you, you know if you do stuff right or wrong. And if you can sleep, then bad things, then that's up to yeah. you. know, that's you. If you, you know, I believe in karma. I believe mm-hmm. in doing it right. And I've definitely lost a lot of sales because I didn't know the answer to things. But I've also gained a lot of sales because I'm honest. When someone asks me a question and I just say, I honestly don't know the answer to that. But let me go find out the answer and come back yeah. to you. And you see the look in people's faces. You just, you just know they can trust you mm-hmm. because the other people would make things up or tell them what they wanted to hear or say whatever they thought they had mm-hmm. to say to get the person over the line. And I'm willing to lose that sale and that process to protect my moral compass. Um, and it's done as good. We've always, I've never been out of work for 21 years. I've always worked with the best clients. I've always made great money, good money, great money. I've always had an opportunity because you you build a reputation for someone who does things professionally yeah. and does things properly. Not frustrating because a lot of people... You can get tired with the same brush sometimes and the bad ones, but again, that's every industry. It's the same as everything in life, isn't it? It is. It's regardless of sales or whatever, whatever the industry, it will happen in that. Um, so someone's decided, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to date around. I'm going to find the right sales company for me and I'm going to start. What am I expecting my first four weeks? No, oh, as long as you find the right company, we'll go yeah. from there, right? Mm-hmm. So your first four weeks may look different for this if you find the wrong company. Again, you've got so to go on a lot of dates. what should you expect? What should you yeah. say expect? Uh, you should expect awesome training. I yeah. mean, if you're working, let's just talk us. Yeah. Let's just talk working with us, right? Uh, support structure, one-on-one training, mm-hmm. group training, uh, access to people or in the UK in their network who have the, the, the best information. I think that was one of the most endearing things for me when I got into sales. Very weird, mm-hmm. but endearing was strangers were willing to give me advice for free. We don't get people are selfish by nature, mm-hmm. really selfish by nature. Everything's transactional. Yeah, people give to get. Even when people give a present, most of the time it's so they get some love. The bigger the present, the more attention they want back. Mm-hmm. That's that's yeah, human yeah. nature. I can't help. That's who we are. 
why do you want to be the favourite uncle or the favourite aunt or why do you buy the biggest presents or why do you say yes to the kids because you want you, you, you want you want a cuddle you want love you want that attention right my wife always says we're not competing for parents I'm like of course we are the kids will have a favourite and I just want to be it when I came into sales though it was quite weird because strangers were willing to help me they done this mm-hmm. thing called networking which coming for construction for never I never get told to go network with somebody and how yeah. to do my job better and so I, I think you should expect it to be weird like that where you come into an environment where strangers ask if you need help on your first week mm-hmm. for no reason at all and if you ask someone for time they'll they'll give you it and if you ask the best people for help they, they gave you it and it was weird really weird because I came from backgrounds where I asked maybe I'm on a construction site I've nothing to do and I'd go to the trader and go to the joiner and say can you teach me how to put up a door and they'd say it's not your job mm. I'm like but I've nothing else to do and you're putting up a door so can I, I not watch, just watch yeah. you and that's not your job go find something to do and I was shunned away all the time for learning more and other jobs so I think if you find the right not just us other sales companies some other awesome sales companies out there I'm sure there's millions of them around the world um You'd expect good training mm-hmm. because, and let's just talk for a selfish company point of view. If you're going to sell for someone, they want you to do as many sales as humanly possible and selfishly from us. Yeah. So it makes sense for companies to give you wicked training. So mm-hmm. I think you should expect wicked training. You should need the tools, the infrastructure, the culture, and the information to go be good at selling. Uh, you should expect a lot of positivity. In any sales environment, I think if it's a good sales environment, a good culture, everybody's overly positive because you have to be overly positive. But that's just, but it's it's weird, but it's nice because no matter how you feel when you walk in the room, other positive people, it's infectious. Mm-hmm. Negativity is infectious, and so is positivity. You become a victim of your environment quite yeah. quickly, so you should expect that to be weird your first week, second week, you become it. And you kind of love it. You get addicted. You start saying things like, I can't wait to go to work on Monday and a Friday night. <laughs> you wake up on a Monday morning excited about going out the door, which yeah. is really weird. And your parents think you've been abducted and replaced by someone else or your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever. Um, so I think you should expect that. Um, on the downside, you should expect to be, not downside because I think it's a positive, physically and mentally challenged. Mm. Like you probably haven't been for a while. If you just finished exams or you've finished a master's or a PhD or done something strenuous, been to the Marines, yeah. you've been to Marines or something, yeah, you've definitely felt it. You know, you've done med school or something, but you're just coming for an average 95, working in GD sports, working in construction, you will mentally and physically get challenged. And it's the mental side of things that challenge you, but it mm-hmm. feels physical but because you get drained physically, but that's more the mental yeah. side of things. So you'll get challenged. Uh, it'll cure insomnia. I always say that. Very true. You've problems sleeping, Guinness sales. You won't have any problems sleeping. That'll cure that very quickly. All your colours get shown. So I think your first four weeks in sales will show you two things. It'll show you things that you thought you were good at that you're just not. Mm. It'll show you who you really are. It's got a good way of humbling you very quickly. But you also have all these wee lovely surprises. You you do stuff you never thought you'd be able to do. And maybe nice surprises are good, but you're also going to be quite vulnerable because you're going to realise that maybe in your last job you were a hard worker but you were a hard worker at a bunch of lazy people yeah maybe you were positive but you were just the most positive person in the room mm. maybe you thought you were a good student but now you're struggling to digest information you were good at, you were a good student when it was academic 
Yeah. Uh, academ academia, textbooks yeah. in school in that environment, but learning, digesting and applying, learn mm. something in the morning, applying it that day and getting evaluated that night, that quick learning. Maybe you realise that you don't digest information as quick as you do in that type of environment. So I think you should expect that. I think you should, you would expect days where you're really happy, you applied. And I think you should expect days where you don't know why you've done it and you question everything. I'll relate that back to your first four weeks in the gym. Mm -hmm. I say if somebody never goes to the gym and then you go to the gym and you go through all the same stuff. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you see guys come out of the gym all the time and they're like, you know, I'm really fit and I'm solid and they don't do it and they're gassed out in two seconds and yeah. they look strong. But when they actually go to physically transferring what they think is strength into some form of training, it's not, they get a shock of, oh, I'm weak. I see guys get humbled in the gym yeah. as they box. I do a lot of weight training, functional stuff. And I, and I see, I even take tough boys to do my training and they get gassed out really quick. And you see become quite vulnerable mm -hmm. quite quick because the, the 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 ego gets up. But I also see people surprise themselves quite quickly as mm -hmm. well. So I think your first four weeks in a the gym, there'll be mornings where you wake up and you'll be sore and pained and you don't feel like you're getting anywhere and you'll be stressed out and you'll question why you've even got to the gym and is it worth it and all that stuff. And I think on the flip side of things, some days you'll see progression. You'll lose the pound. You'll look a wee bit better in the mirror. You'll feel good and you'll be so thankful that you joined the mm -hmm. gym. The trick is to get through the first four weeks. Yeah. Because after 100%. the first four weeks, you know the gym's going to be better for you. And if you do four weeks in sales, even if you quit after that, you will be a better person. Yeah, 100%. Success or no success, you'll learn discipline, you'll learn work ethic, you'll be more resilient because you're dealing with a lot of negativity. You'll be a better communicator just by pure default because you'll be talking to, you never know who's, mm. who's going to answer the phone or is behind the door or is walking in if you're doing car sales. You just... You're going to be dealing with so many different people. You'll be more adaptable. Mm -hmm. You'll have a better attitude. You'll see things different. You'll be more positive. Like, so even if you get into sales and you suck for four weeks, you'll still leave a wee bit better than you came okay. through the door. <laughs> you know, it's easy to come in and, and see someone who's been, you know, been in sales for four years and who's incredible. So they can go do whatever the target may be and they can double, triple the target every single day. And then when you come in and you're struggling to do your first sale, or your second sale, mm -hmm. It's easy to think I'm not cut out for that, but it's really important to take stock of the the small, tiny little steps that you are taking and the small little progression that you are having mm -hmm. because that's where growth does come from. So so focus on getting better mm -hmm. as opposed to coming in and being perfect. Yeah, that 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 progression, not perfection, got drilled into me yeah. because being being a competitive, sporty person. I was always just looking for it to be perfect. Mm. And, and they used to always say that to me. Aim for perfection, but accept progression. Yeah. 1% better is 1% better. A mm -hmm. pound away might not be the 10 kilo you want to lose, but it's, it's a step closer to mm -hmm. it. And so just accepting. I find a lot of people that come into sales are high performers and have high yep. standards. Whether they've done sales or not, they're high performing people or the people who want to perform at a high yep. standard. So they get frustrated really quickly. You know, I'm not... <laughs> been doing sales for a week and I'm not a millionaire yeah of course you're not but you know <laughs> it's not for me I'm out <laughs> yeah and, and so no because I've learned over years just to accept small like if you get statistically speaking if you get one percent better a week mm. you'll be twice as good in a hundred weeks yeah if you can do one percent better in a day you'll be twice as good in a hundred days so thinking like that it's like you know sweet baby steps one after another so I think that and also keeps your emotions intact when you start to accept. It doesn't have to be happy. Mm. You just have to, again, don't be happy with progression. Accept progression, no perfection. Yeah. I still want to aim for perfection and I'd mm. only be happy with perfect, but that's also what's good because 
probably never going to be perfect, which means you're always going to strive to be better. Yeah. Uh, unless you're good. <laughs> so true. So true, though. I We're going to do a whole podcast on Amanda's humility. Yeah. I've got a lot to say. <laughs> I think one of the, the quicker skills, I guess, you could say people pick up when they do come into sales um, is their communication skills and their ability to communicate. But how does the sales and a role like that have an impact on your communication skills and how does it let you kind of hone those skills and, and also be able to communicate with a, such a wide variety of people? Uh, you're just dealing with a different demographic of people all the time and I suppose someone who works in a, a busy restaurant would go through the same experiences. You know, you're dealing with maybe a table of people from a high demographic area, you know, luxurious, fast cars, big houses, maybe speak a certain way, act a certain way. Uh, so you have to speak and act a certain way in order to get those people to feel like you're one of them and mm. they've got another table that's at the other end of the scale and you have to you have to adapt to get one of my coaches used to call it the likability factor yeah like when people meet you they have to like you they don't know why but they just do mm. and that's not changing who you are it's just changing your wording your demeanor it's slight changes mm. it's slowing down it's speaking slang it's speaking nice it's but you you'll learn that in any really good retail job you should get that training or hospital so i'm not just going to say that's in sales but in sales i suppose you're also approaching different people on purpose so there's a bit of a different feel to it because you're the one going out trying to get business rather than business walking in mm -hmm. to you so i'm not saying you don't get but it's more valuable because you don't just learn how to communicate with people you learn how to get people to want to communicate with you mm -hmm. so you learn how to get someone once asked me years ago and says what do you think you're really good at sales and i says i'm really awesome at saying hi and they looked at me and I'm like, it's the best sales skill in the world. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I literally can say, hi, how are you doing to someone? And I perfected the art of getting this person. They think that's a nice person. I want to talk mm -hmm. to them. And that's a likability factor. Whereas if you want someone to like you, they'll like you quite quickly yeah. because you learn through experience how to hold yourself. Call someone, I will talk Glaswegian here, right? Uh, call someone pal versus mate versus boss mm -hmm. versus sir. Like just even how you refer yeah, to people, yeah. Mister, Missus. There's people that don't like that. If you're in England, there's a lot of people like love. If you call somebody love in Scotland, you'll get punched in the face quite quickly. Yeah. From a Glaswegian woman, don't call me love <laughs> because it's quite patronising. But you go down south, that's very yeah. normal. So even when you you go and sell in different environments, and even if you go from Glasgow to Edinburgh, mm. Glasgow. No offence to anybody in Edinburgh, but I just found. Glasgow was very banterish, Edinburgh was a bit more serious, but you've got industrial and you've got political and academic and, and they're very different vibes. So just to change yourself ever so slightly when you go across the, we'll call it the border of Scotland and you go from the West Coast to the East Coast, there's just a wee slight change. Yeah. Not saying you didn't have banter, but it was a different type and it was a different type of feel. So just learning how to, on the spot, assess who you're talking to and change. It helped me get, it's going to sound cheesy, and we get my wife. If I hadn't learned how to make someone like me who was nothing like me, then when I met my wife, I didn't speak slang around my wife for the first year because I knew she wasn't someone who spoke slang and would probably look down. She doesn't look down at me now, plus it's too late. But <laughs> but for the first year, I was so scared to speak what she yeah. now calls Glaswegian in front of her because she was nice and she spoke well and I didn't want it to put her off. And I learned that from going and dealing with people who lived in big houses or ran big companies and sitting down with someone that ran a big business, a CEO, or someone that stayed in that, you know, an eight-bedroom house who was a wee bit more, I wouldn't even say, they weren't posh, they were just polite. 
And mm. I learned that around those people, if I spoke trash, you'd treat me like trash. But if I spoke, I'd at least made an effort to speak like them, they at least respected me a little bit more. So if I hadn't done sales, I never would have. I don't yeah. I don't know if I would have won her over with my charm or my looks. I think, and you know, and I spoke slang like Maybe a year dancing. later. Maybe the dancing, but... <laughs> But yeah, it's helped me make friends. It helps me yeah. go into a social setting and it doesn't matter who's sitting where. Like, I met my wife's friend who's like, I don't know how much he's worth, multi-millions. And I was comfortable talking to him quickly. On the flip side of things, I'm comfortable with the, you know, the the house and estate person that's really rough. And my kids laugh at me because they watch me meet people and change how I speak. I change how I speak depending on who I'm talking to mm -hmm. because I want them to feel comfortable. It's not just about me feeling comfortable with them, it's them feeling comfortable because I'm just in such a habit of changing the way I speak to get people to like me and changing my demeanour. And some people I talk a lot and some people I know it's better to be quiet around them and let them yeah. talk. But you only learn that through the experience. Plus, without being obnoxious, I'm really exceptional getting my own way. Very seldom yeah. don't get a table in a restaurant. In fact, they made a table for us, remember? Yeah, they did. They had no table. Created and they, one. They liked us that much. They made a table that didn't exist for us in a restaurant. I used to go to a restaurant in Glasgow and they just, again, they just let me skip the queue just because mm. I was nice to them and I built a relationship. And so you learn how to win people over. Yeah. And if you're going to go somewhere all the time and you win the people over, they'll bend over backwards to, to yeah. help you. So, yeah. There was three people ahead of us in the queue that they turned away, yeah. That's right. To get a table. So they did. Yeah. Back three people and then made one up for us. Got to meet us though. But if they didn't like us and we didn't say hi and every time we seen them, if we yeah. didn't have enthusiasm when we seen them, if we didn't ask them how they were, which is the first part of sales, mm. which is a good introduction. Hi, how are you? Big smile, shake their hand, remember people's name, refer by name. You know, actually smile at people and actually ask how they're doing and actually listen to the response yeah that's only something not only something that's lies i'm sure other people teach you i'm sure people teach their kids that they're good communicators right in business or whatever mm. school teachers but but you learn that you learn that in selling mm. you have to be good in the first 10 seconds or no one will talk to you yeah. whether you're on the phone whether there's someone walking in to buy a car from you like people judge you within the first 10 seconds that's just human nature so you have to become really exceptional at that part I do think communication is such a big part of sales, but there's so many different types of communication. Mm -hmm. So what you say is really important and how you say it. And like like you're saying, adapting to who you're talking to or what you want that outcome to be. But something that over the years I've heard you talk a lot about is also the different types of listening. Are you listening or are you actively listening to someone? Yeah. And how important is that in sales? And what does it mean to actively listen to someone? I learned that more when I got married, to be honest with you. <laughs> Actively listening. So the easiest way to explain this is the difference, there's a difference between listening to respond and listening to listen. Mm. So most people, if you watch them communicating, you see them do this and you see the mouth. Do you see these, they're called micro expressions. Like when you learn body language or micro expressions, mm. like an eye movement, a twitch, Good poker players will know it's called micro-expressions. Watch most people communicate, especially salespeople. They get, they're waiting to talk. They're letting the customer talk or they're letting the other person talk just so they can finish, just so they can say their part. And it's even people in a friendship group that are doing it. And they, 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 they're, they're listening to respond. They're not listening to listen. Mm -hmm. So listening to listen is... Because if you're too busy thinking about what you're going to say, your brain's not going to digest what they're saying. 
and mm-hmm. we all do it. We all do it. I do. I do it with my kids all the time. I do it with my wife all the time, and. And my wife will say stuff to me like, oh, you're not listening. And I'll say, yeah, I'm listening. And, sh- and I'll repeat what she says. And she says, yeah, but you weren't actually listening. And she's right. Because I wasn't actually listening. I was taking the words in so that, because I knew that she would want me to respond. Yeah. And so I was just doing it to respond. But I wasn't actually listening. I wasn't actually, di- after two seconds, I'll probably forget what she says. Mm. So I think there's a big difference with actively listening. I think that comes back to actively caring. But, if we're just talking sales in general and specifically sales and not just the art of communication, listening to what people say will give you everything you need to know about them. And the easiest way to sell to someone is to use the things they tell you to sell back. Mm-hmm. That's it. They, how someone says hi back will tell me their enthusiasm level. It will tell me, you know, it'll tell me their enthusiasm level, it'll tell me the kind of mood that they're in, it'll tell me the tone to talk in. So if I say, hi, how are you to someone? I'm excited and they speak down and like, eh, really good, really relaxed. I can do two things. Somebody who doesn't actively listen will continue in the same tonality. They'll speak the same speed, they'll talk the same tone, mm-hmm. but they're just too much for that person. The easiest way to explain this is like when you got a wee yappy dog and it's a nice wee dog and, and when you're a wee bit yeah. chilled out, you don't want the yappy dog dog but when you're excited you want the dog and you're lying you'll play with it in the floor I do this with dog I think yeah. I'm in the right mood I'll roll about with my dog but if I'm yeah. not in the right mood I'm like get away from me I'm just not that mm-hmm. so if you don't actively listen an active listener will change your tone so an active listener in that situation will bring their tone down mm-hmm. to be more at level where the other human being is which makes them a better communicator because again if you're in a chilled out mood and your mates yapping you don't like you love them but you're just like stop talking yeah on the, flip, on the flip side of things, if they're in the same wavelength or same vibe as you, you're more comfortable chatting. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You're more comfortable. Well. So again, come back, it's, 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 you're learning how to deal with, with human beings. So actively listening, just even in an introduction and listening, I'll quickly tell you, i also tell you if the customers are a rush or not. Mm-hmm. So if someone says, yep, good, me hearing that, yep, good, and digesting it, means hurry up, yeah. get to the point, which means I need to shut up not talk a lot of nonsense, not try and build relations, just get to the point. I do that with people, to get them to hurry up, say yep, I'll look at my what, yep, mm-hmm. yep, I say yep, anytime I say yep, it means hurry up. And so when I'm actively listening, now you know. Mental now. Yep means quick, I'm not, I'm an, it means I'm urgent, I've got a lot to do, right? But if I say to someone, how are you doing? They go, yeah, I'm really cool, man. You, how are you doing? I know they've got time, so I can slow down and take mm-hmm. my time with people. So there's all these wee tells that you get if you actually take a breath and listening and asking people when you're selling a product service something simple like what do you look for what's your expectations what gets you excited and shutting up and listening to them they'll actually tell you how to sell a product to them mm-hmm. nine times out of ten we do this and it's another company that we run and we're on a sales call yesterday and i try and sell a product we don't try and sell a service i say what are you looking for in a, a, in a company and she told us all the things she's looking for a company. I went, okay, that's easy. Let me explain how we do that. And I just, ex- I, I explained what we done, which in itself builds the value. And I seen her smile. Seen her smile. She just, I seen the smile on her face. It was on a Zoom call. And I just seen her smile and I'm like, you like us. Got you. Got you. Yeah. I just says, what do you want? She told me what she wanted. And I was just, I'm like, if we couldn't give her it though, I would tell her we couldn't give her it. Mm. I would tell her we can't deliver that service for you. That's not us. And I'd be very honest with her because I'm not, gonna lie cheat or steal or say and I can't buy a cup in a courtroom but I say what do you want to make sure I do have a product or service I can sell with them and then if I have got it I get excited because mm-hmm. I'm like oh we can offer that I can fix that problem for you 
But again, if I'm just a salesperson that just goes on and talks, talk, 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 and then says, how are you? But then waits and they're like, I'm really good. And, and I just, I'm going to miss cues mm -hmm. about how to deal with the human being better. And, and again, going back to communication, actually makes you a better communicator way. I have to do this for my kids. I have to actively, I have to consciously tell myself to actively listen because sometimes my kids will talk and I'm not, and they'll say, dad, you weren't even listening. And I can see them get upset with it. And that's because mm -hmm. my mind's somewhere else or I'm on my phone. Or, so sometimes I put my phone away and switch off and then go, okay, you got my, my full attention. I'll take it in mm -hmm. and I'll digest it. So actively listening, it's not even a skill. Everybody can actively listen. It's just conscious listening. It's just consciously wanting to hear what the person says. And for a sales point of view, selfishly, because it just makes selling so much easier. Like you said, a lot of time people will tell you, their problems or your, give you an angle to sell to them. So you, you miss that sale if you're not actually taking that in yep. because you can oversell or, or people also aren't stupid. They'll be thinking, I've told you my issues and you're trying to pitch me on something completely different, yeah, which yeah. isn't a problem to me. So yeah. no, I think, I think that's so, so important. And I think the other part of communication, so we know how to talk to someone, we know how to listen to someone. I think another part that is, very often forgot about mm -hmm. and very often ignored or not taken into consideration is the nonverbal communication. Mm. How are you standing? What's your body language? Is it like, what do you, what do you do with your hands or you, when you look away, your eye contact and stuff? Mm -hmm. So do you have any behaviors or actions that you find particularly helpful when mm. establishing kind of credibility and, and with a potential customer or client? It depends on the person. I think a couple of, I mean, small tip. First of all, non-verbal communication, 70 to 80% of a conversation, mm. people feel we're human. So subconsciously on a deep level, we like or dislike people mm -hmm. by that. There's a thing called mirroring. Um, and mirroring is quite simply if you're sitting with your legs crossed and I sit with my legs crossed, actually on a subconscious level, your mind thinks we're the same. So if you think we're the same or tribal by nature, and this is me getting deep psychology, you 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 think we're the same, so you just feel comfortable around me. So when I'm talking to someone, I try and mirror, they're going back to yep. the tone, and I try and mirror, but if someone's got arms folded, I fold my arms when I'm talking to them. Mm. And you probably noticed the whole time I've been sitting like you mm. on my chair, because you mirror people, it actually makes them feel more comfortable with you. So whatever they're doing, I try my best to mirror it. I don't do it, obviously. If every time they fold their arms, I don't fold my arms. And if they Instantly, touch yeah. their ear, I touch my ear. And you know, it's quite obvious. It's got to be quite unobvious. So you got to match, you got to match yeah. the vibes. you got to match the energy. And I think with your body language, um, I think using non-confrontational body language, confrontational body language is what a security guard will use. It's called mm -hmm. making yourself big. So me sitting up like this, like this, folding my arms. It's making yourself big. It's what, if you watch security hands behind the back, it's confrontational. Mm -hmm confrontational body language, non-confrontational uh, body language is like standing side on, crossing your legs, it's quite non-threatening. So we get taught in boxing to make yourself a smaller target by turning it side. That's why boxers turn to the side. So that it's a smaller target, it's hard to, whereas if you stand square on, you're a big target. Yeah. So non-confrontational, I think keeping your distance. Uh, people, uh, your wingspan, mine's isn't that big, but your wingspan, your hands, which apparently your height, if you do that way. My daughter taught me oh. this last night. My daughter taught me last night, if you do that to that and measure it, it's actually your height. Ah. I, I don't know if it's true. I didn't try it. I know I'm short, so that's fine. But, I, like, this is my personal space. Mm. This. And as soon as someone enters that, we become defensive. Purely historic. We're still cave people. 
Shtara cave women, I'm Shtara cave man. Like humans don't evolve for hundreds of thousands of years. So yeah, we've changed and we dress and we go to Tesco and get our food. And but but we we your minds still think we're in the wild and can die at any moment. Mm-hmm. We still think everybody's a threat and everything's a threat. That's why you're always in heightened mode. That's why you can't sleep when you go to a hotel properly because mm-hmm. you're in a new environment or even another house that you've never slept in, even though it's somebody you trust and love. You never have a good night's sleep because your body's like strange environment. We don't know the surroundings. We might get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. So we're always on this defense edge. And if you think of the, the concept of standing in a club, right, guy or girl, if I'm away from you and I've got a distance for you, and I, I, I'm non-threat, I'm just a guy in a club. Mm. But as soon as I step in your personal space, boy or girl, guys get his, you watch guy, guys put their chest out and they'll be like, they feel a threat and they start figuring out how to dismantle the person in a fight Yeah, because that's how they're programmed and that's how they do it. So they become defensive, they become tight. And even if someone were to say hello while been in personal body space to that person, then what, what do you want? Mm-hmm. They're already in defense mode. Girl, I'm sure you've had in a club, guy stands too close. You start thinking, what does this sleaze bag want? Mm-hmm. Because you're in threat for different reasons, being a female, if I'm a guy, guys, it comes to fighting and war and Get all sleazy men and, and, and just that. And I'm sure you've experienced it, right? I do too. But so understanding that's how human psyche works. I never ever start a conversation with somebody being too close to them. I always yeah. say if they can smell your breath or smell your perfume or smell your aftershave, you're too close in the initial I conversation. You're, not, you're, you're too, you're, you're, like get invited in. Like keep your distance and say hi to someone. Mm-hmm. Keep your distance and say hello. And as the conversation goes, come closer in. Yeah. Because as they feel more comfortable coming in, there's no defense. So I think a lot of people make mistakes of getting too close, too quick or touching. I've seen people touch people on the shoulder and it's just, so full. yeah, never touch someone that you've never met before. It makes them feel uncomfortable. Girl, girl. Mm-hmm. It's just, it doesn't, male, female, it's not a sexual thing. It's just get out of my space thing. Don't touch me. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, and I'm going to say this and it, from a short guy's point of view, it's easier for me. I'm not very threatening person, five, seven, not huge. Five, but the, seven. But the big, yep, small. But the bigger you are, the more you have to be conscious of this. Yeah. So the bigger framed person you are, and I've worked with some big lads, and I'm like, you know, you should probably go two arm lengths away from mm-hmm. someone. Because of your height difference in most people, you're going to be a threat. And I was always taught, even in things we used to do, when I used to go to businesses to do sales, I was taught never to stand over people. So if someone was sitting in a chair and there was no seat, I'd bend down and look up at you. Mm-hmm. I'd literally bend down and look up because it made you feel like you were in control. Like when they build castles and hills. Yeah. But that's because it's a threat. It's up the way is harder. So I was taught to bend down and make people up when I'm on steps talking yeah. to someone. I go down and always try, always try. Again, five, seven, not that hard for me. But you always want the customer to feel like they're the one in control and you're non-threatening. So it's non, non-threatening whatsoever. So just understand that if you get too close to people or you're too big, a, you're too big or you're confrontational, People subconsciously become defensive. Mm-hmm. And that's the first part of selling to someone in, in any capacity is to make them feel comfortable. But if they, and they don't know why they feel agi- defensive, they don't know why the spy, we call it spy the yeah. sense is going off, it's actually ingrained in them. Mm. And we won't get rid of that for a long time. That's just, again, you you can Google this stuff. We still live in prehistoric times mm-hmm. in, our, in our wee subconscious mind. We still think we've got to hunt our food and you know everything's going to kill us and we're going to die. And so as soon as anybody gets close to you, you start going, what did they? Tensing up. You do tense up and it's just, you know, it's human nature. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to deal with people, you have to understand cause and effect. Like if I stand this way, what happens? If I look here, what happens? If I do this, what happens? There's an element of control there as well. Mm-hmm. You can get into things like eye contact, hand movements, gestures. 
know, you can do a tap in the shoulder, or a tap in the arm when somebody's comfortable. So there's loads of things you can do when somebody's comfortable. But initially, I think it's about the things I just spoke about. Over the years, all these different things that you've mentioned, I've heard you talk about it. And I think it's so interesting how much of a psychological thing sales is and how much it, there is so much more to it than just the words you say or your sales pitch or your script or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. There's so, so much more to it. And it is, it is a psychological game. We've always said yeah. at some point we want to study it just because we feel like we're halfway there just by working on sales. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I do. I definitely but that's again going back to the attraction to, to selling and people. Uh, everybody's different. Everybody's a different game. Mm. You know, you're never going to stand the same way with everyone. You're never going to use the same tone. You use a similar tone or you use the same tone with different people. But your day's so varied that it's, it's a sport and you don't know where the next move's going to be or who the next opponent's going to be. So that also makes it exciting. But people are exciting, people in general. And I think it's a superpower. Once you learn, the art of communication and the art of getting people to like you and trust you quick. And you learn the art of building value to the point where someone signs a contract for something that they'd never thought about doing before in their life or didn't mm-hmm. wake up, not, not wake up that morning thinking about it. I think that's the difference between retail sales and direct sales and, going, and creating business versus mm-hmm. capitalizing on business that walks through the door. As once you learn that, it's like a superpower. Come back to the confidence again and 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 the value, but again, in your personal life, the ability to use body language to make people feel comfortable on you, even if you're dating, mirroring. There you go. If you go on a date, practice, mirror, mirror. If he or she or they, if they sit, anybody you're with sits and they cross the legs, cross the legs. They won't all of a sudden just go, I'm so comfortable on you, but just know that it's going to actually make them feel better on you, that you're mirroring them. Mirror the tone. If you're loud and they're quiet, bring your tone down and make them feel it. On the flip side, if you're quiet and they're loud, bring your tone up a little yeah. bit. But once you learn that, once you learn that, that becomes a little bit mm-hmm. like a superpower in your everyday life. You know, if you want somebody to do something for you in a store, if you want someone to do something for you, know, my, my, my dry cleaning, my altar. I walked into an alterations place yesterday and I've not seen the guy in over 10 years and he says hello and yeah, walked in yesterday, he owns the place and he's like, how are you? It's been what, 20 years? I was like 10 and the amount of times I'd go in there to the girls and him and I'd be in a panic and it would be a Saturday and I needed a shirt and I just bought a new shirt and I needed it tailored and mm-hmm. and, and just because I was so nice to people and so lovely and built relationships with them because I knew it, the amount of times I get stuff done in an hour is ridiculous. So don't get me wrong now yeah. and again I take in some flowers or I take in some some chocolates and just again the sales, I won people over because if I'm going to go back there, I just never know who's help I'm going to need. But yeah. again, if I didn't learn sales and the art of getting people to feel comfortable and like mm-hmm. me, like the amount of times my dry cleaning has been done quickly, just the amount of times I've been served quickly in restaurants, the amount of things I've got because of that, it's been, been absolutely ridiculous. And that's body language, psychological building relationships, mm-hmm. pitching, pain and interest. Yeah, 100%. And I think, I mean, I can vouch for that. I've been in many situations where I've seen you get away with things or get things that not, not many other people would just because of those those relationships that you've built and how much you've got them to kind of trust you and buy into you as a person. So I can vouch for that. I've seen that. Yeah. And I think you've answered my, my next question because my next question was going to be, how do you, you know, in sales, it's about getting someone to trust you. How do you go about building that trust? Simple things like being a nice person. People can smell a rat. Mm. or most people can it's quite sad 
we were talking earlier about uh, dodgy emails. Yeah. Email scammers, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember I was saying how I like reading them and I'm like, if I had a, a lower IQ, I'd probably fall for this. It's well written. And, you know, I, I, I think for the most part, people have a gut instinct and a spidey sense and they, they just know how they feel. Like we, we all meet someone and get a feeling one way or the other. You know, maybe you fall in love. Maybe you you know you're going to be friends. I don't know many times in my life I've said this. Me and this person are going to be friends, and we end up friends when I met them for the first time. Or, mm. you know, I just, just on the flip side of things, the many times I met someone, I went mm, something's off, and six weeks later something would happen. You're like, I knew something was off with that person. Mm. And so everybody's got. We're going to keep calling it a spidey sense, right? Which is your gut instinct. Or now they're starting to say there's like a, a brain in the gut, and that is the one that feels, and you got to listen to it and intuition. So. People aren't stupid. Trust is earned quite quickly if you're a good person. Mm. It's hard not to trust. You. Like, I've never had an issue with people trusting me. I've just never had an issue in sales with people saying they don't trust me. Ever. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it was anything I physically done. I think people could just feel that I'm a good human being. A good tester, actually, is always dogs and kids. If dogs come to you first time and let you clap them, I think they're, they're a good judge because they only know how they feel. Mm. And then babies, I get very offended if a baby doesn't smile around me. And I, I won't actually leave till it smiles around me because they only know how they feel. The, the gut's yeah. the only thing that causes emotion mm -hmm. in a dog and the gut's the only thing that causes emotion in a baby. They yeah. don't, there's no logic. It's just how they feel. And uh, so now I always get suspicious of people that dogs run away from and kids cry when they touch. And I Scream just, when they walk yeah. <laughs> So I think trust first and foremost, if you have good intentions and you're being genuine and you're being real, that gets trust. Never try and be someone you're not. Even if you're trying to sell and try to emulate someone else and, and you're trying to be something that you're not, that causes mistrust because people just get a feeling you're not being real. Mm -hmm. And again, we all know that. We all know the person that comes yeah. out of company and you're just like, ah, I wish you'd just be real. They seem like such a nice person, but it's such a, a turn off mm -hmm. that they're just no, I can tell they're being false. And so first and foremost, I think that, that that's the first thing. Be genuine. Uh, don't try and be someone that you're not. And if you're a good human being, it shouldn't be hard to get people to trust you yeah. if you're good. If you're actually genuinely have a moral compass and have good values and are a good a good person. Uh, I think we things like maintaining eye contact when you're speaking, which is uncomfortable. Even when I'm sitting talking to you, I find it hard to stare at someone when I'm talking. Still something really quite uncomfortable mm -hmm. about. So, do you know what I mean? It was quite, yeah. I did learn that. And so I did learn to look at people because if I look away, there's no trust. If your doctor looks at you when you show them a problem or the dentist and you've got a hole in your tooth and the dentist is like, oh, I could, you know, I could probably fit. Yeah. Get me another dentist. It's not drilling <laughs> a hole in my mouth. So I think eye contact, tone of voice and confidence and certainty in your voice, mm -hmm. which brings me on to the next part is just make sure that you're an expert in whatever you're selling mm -hmm. and you do know. You don't have to regurgitate and be good at selling a product, but you have to know everything about that because confidence is trust and trust comes from reassurance and reassurance is the tone and your 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 voice i had someone talk about so i was talking to someone yesterday who was talking about another person that we work with and they're like i don't know what it is about them and this is the half thing he says like he must have drugs in his voice or something because when he speaks there's just something there that makes you want to listen and i think a good sales professional has to have yeah. that they have to be confident uh there's some dodgy sales people that are really confident but they get away with murder. We'll not name names, right? But there's some people in the world that have scammed a lot of people and it's just because of the pure confidence that yep. people believe it. So I think you build trust through having a certain sense of certainty in your voice, through being genuine and being a nice person uh, and actually coming across like you care and again, go back mm -hmm. to active listening. So I think those things contribute to trust. I think if you... Yeah. 
fluster, if you look away, if you don't have the best intentions, if there's any immoral things going on, I think people can generally pick up on it quite quickly. People yeah. don't always follow through and that's how sometimes, unfortunately, people fall for bad stuff is because they don't listen to their own yeah. gut. How many times have you done something it went wrong, but you knew it was going to go wrong or you'd done something personally, like I knew they were going to do that. You just, yeah. you didn't listen. So everybody's got that feeling, everybody acts in it. But if you want everybody to trust you, every single person, whether they did fall for that or not, then you just have to be genuine. Yeah, 100%. And you can be the most genuine person. You can be, you know, the most trustworthy person and, and you know, the, the most legit person out there. But people will still say no and say, oh, there is oh, rejection. God. You know, it, it's it's not personal, but there is going to be rejection there. So how do you handle that? How do you deal with that? How do you deal with rejection? I don't take it personally. It's life. Mm. How do you find somebody you love? You're going to have to deal with it. If you're lucky, you find somebody early. If not, you know, you're going to have to, I don't know, swipe right, swipe left, whatever people do these days. <laughs> whatever direction Just to is. go on dates and get stood up and arrange to meet people yeah. back in mild and then you meet someone somewhere, you'd arrange to meet them and you go and they just wouldn't turn up. Oh, Happened to me once. Still remember it, do you? <laughs> once, once, a loss. But yeah, you got it. You know, you just got it. First of all, don't take rejection personally. Nobody likes rejection. Let mm. me just put this first and foremost. Because people say I can handle rejection doesn't mean we like it. Mm -hmm. Because boxers get punched in the face doesn't mean they like it. It just doesn't mean it's just. But for them, it's what they have to do in order to get the good stuff. So a fighter will get hit in the face to get a punch in. Mm. They might take a punch to give two punches right they're willing to deal with that Salespeople have got to understand it's a, it's a numbers game and it's a game of rejection because the majority of it's going to be rejection but that's where your that's where your resilience comes from your thick skin comes from that's where you become a stronger person mentally uh, dealing with it. so dealing with rejection is don't take it personally but I think if you're getting into sales just understand that you just Again, any sales, a TV commercial knows that only a small percentage of people are going to take action. An e-commerce business knows that only a small amount. A conversion rate in e-commerce, sorry, we're going to go on a tangent about e-commerce here. I'm also involved with that a lot. The conversion rate in a website, good conversions, 3-4%. That's What's that mean? That. It means there's a 96 to 97% rejection and that's a mm. good company. And they spent, like the advertising billboards in Central Station, it's 250,000 people walk through there Every day, every day. How many people do you think actually buy what's on the billboards, right? Yeah. Or actually buy it. So the, the difference with sales but is you get the rejection to you. Think about a TV commercial when you pause, you flick a channel. Think about how many times in YouTube when you wait for the skip and you skip. That's rejection. But for every certain amount of people that skip, some people don't skip. So the sales is understanding that it's not there for the masses. Before you get into sales, just understand that you're going to live in a world of rejection. But that's not what you want because the, the one person that says yes makes up for the 99 that says no. So any advertising or marketing or sales understands straight away its volume. Why do Coca-Cola sell more soft drinks? Everywhere else bar Scotland, by the way. I don't know if you know that, do you? Yeah. Yep. Scotland's yeah. the only country in the world where Iron Brew actually outsells it, right? So everywhere else in the world, they sell more soft drinks than anybody else. Why? Because they got a bigger marketing budget. What does that mean? They market their product to more people more times than everybody else but does it mean everybody buys coca-cola nope no nah, but they don't need everybody to buy it they need a certain percentage of people to buy it but to get that certain percentage you know if you want another a, a higher amount of people and let's say three percent of people buy it you just have to advertise it to another 
100 people to get an extra 3%. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. So I think rejection's everything, failure's everything. It makes you strong. Again, nobody likes it. It's like going to the gym. Very few people enjoy the pain, but it's the benefit of what happens after the pain you get excited about. So if you're going into sales, it's the getting the sale that gives you a buzz and that dopamine kick, that winning kick, that financial gain, that professional gain, that personal gain, the feeling you get for that makes up for all the rejection. Mm. But that's sport, that's scoring a goal, one goal in a 90-minute match. Yeah, That's knocking someone out in the last round of a fight whilst taking a beating. That, that, the, the feeling of winning far away is, but that's also why sales is addictive because when you get that dopamine and you do one, you forget about the, you forget about the pain. I, I've, so I've got five kids, so we'll, we'll talk on this quickly. So my wife and I have three kids together, right? And she had the first kid and I watched her go through hell, negativity, horrible, like, it's just horrible, nothing like a sales person was. And five minutes later, I says, would you do it again? And she says, yes. And I'm like, what? Well, you just went through hell. Mm -hmm. But what I realised now when we're talking about this a, a while after it is the joy of having a baby and the, that outweighed the bad stuff. That's sales. That's the same stuff. Mm. Why are willing people willing? Why are females willing to go through all that pain to have a baby? Because it is, it's not nice. I've witnessed a lot of them, women, go through, not to get into other subjects here, but go through a lot of negativity and yeah. body and baby, you know, babies drain my wife here they're draining her she ended up in crutches the last time but it's because what's at the end of it it's worth the pain Yeah. and so that sales is just if you're going to get into it understand you're going into a game of pain but the the one when you feel like losing and you get the one that that feeling and that goodness is worth all the rejection you're going to take yeah in my short lived sales career I was always told that how many days did you last? <laughs> two months thank you very much two months in sales okay good it did really well as I was great that is good. Well done. something else well I was done. great at um, I was always told a no is a really good thing because each no you get you're closer to the yes Yeah. so actually when someone says no know that the yes is coming um, and I think that's a really good way to look at it as well and think about it that okay I'm just one step closer sometimes you have to get that no out of the way to get to the yeah. yes yep someone also explained it to me once I actually forgot this I may teach some people this I forgot forget more than I remember sometimes but someone told me to take how much money I get paid for a, a yes right mm. once they for saying six I get paid a hundred pound for a yes right let's just say a hundred pound for a yes but it takes me 50 no's to get to the mm. yes every time someone told me no I made two quid mm. and, the, and they says That's to me such a good way to look at that yeah they're yeah. like if I offered you a job and says to you if you allow a thousand people a day to say the word no to you and whatever way they want to say no because everybody's going to me ways yeah. no interested happy with who I'm with mm. though why I talk to it not financially in the place to do it just now there's all, this, mm. all these objections but they all mean no people in, inevitably either agree to do something or disagree to do something so it's either a yes or no but imagine we told you if you were willing to sit on a phone or just go face to face with people and just allow people to say the word no to you all day and the more no's you took the more two pounds you got how many no's do you want to take and I'm Did like I take thousands yeah. you've got to give me two quid and no and they're like yeah and they're like that's how you look at your job and so every time then after that, I was learning how to keep my attitude mm. right. And this is why this person explained that every time someone says no to me, I'm like, oh, I'm two pound richer. Yeah. Somebody's got my money. So it gets to the point where I'm like, all right, I've took 50 no's, somebody owes me a hundred quid. Mm. And so now I've got to the door where we bit a chip in my shoulder. I'm on a sale somewhere because yeah. I just dealt with all this rejection. So, and that was actually, that's funny. I forgot about that because that was, 
such a game changer for me. Every time I went on a, a commission-based role and I was selling something when I was new and young, I'd quickly calculate how many no's it took me to get a yes yeah. and how much I got paid per no. And even if it was 50 pence, I know, because it took me a lot of no's to get mm -hmm. to a yes. I was excited. Sometimes it was 10 quid a no. Yeah. And so when someone says no, I was actually excited. So I looked at my job like I was a no taker. My job was to take rejection, not to do sales. The sales is how I got paid, but my job was actually to wake up yeah. every day and like a fighter's job to help and get punched in the face, right? I'd rather take a no than a punch to the face. I'll yeah, but that's, but that's die. <laughs> but that was a, that's another little way of dealing with the it's rejection. perspective, that, isn't it? It's how you look at it and you can either look at it as someone's rejecting me or yeah, I am one step closer to where I want to be and I think that's paid. so good. And again, no one likes, they don't like rejection. Like people say no, yeah. no, everyone likes the word yes. Do you know what I mean? You can see that in children, actually, as humans. We hear it. I've got, I got a three-year-old, and she hates the word no. You tell her no for anything, she throws a tantrum. Because again, she just acts on instincts and acts on. So you can see, we, we as human beings, naturally, like the word yes, and hate the word no. Yeah. When we're trying to get something, so no one naturally likes rejection no one like i wake up in the morning and go i hope i get rejection you know i'd much rather everyone bought the things i was selling yeah. when i was 23 24 i'd just rather everybody says my, my life would have been easier but yeah would i have grown into the person i am would i be more resilient would you have character would you have mental toughness then nah unfortunately yeah. that's just like if your parents always tell you no you uh, uh, never tell you no you don't you know, become a good adult. Not a very nice person, are you? Nah, and you get a little bit of shock when you become an adult and realise that the world doesn't work in uh, yeses all the time, like the world's full of rejection. Yeah, no, 100%. Jobs, love, money, mortgage. Yeah. The, yeah. You better get used to it. Definitely got some nose. I don't know if, I don't think we've said this, but you started your career with fluffy ducks. Yeah. So I'm sure a few people said no to those fluffy ducks. Yeah. I got shunned <laughs> and laughed at and yeah, more than those. I got a lot of abuse in the beginning of my sales career, but that was, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. We sold, we sold crap out of black bag. You're doing all right for it though. Yeah. 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 I'll always remember the fluffy ducks. For sure. Yeah. And I think, so I think rejection is obviously part of sales. Are there, are there any other kind of common things that you need to overcome or you need to accept that as part of a sales career? <sighs> that you suck. Yeah. loads of stuff and yeah I hear this a lot with people I'm doing my best and that's fine but I think a lot of people realise especially in sales and not every job but especially in sales because again you go in the deep end sometimes your best isn't good enough mm. and even that with myself it's a hard pill to swallow I'm doing my best I'm not getting to where I need to go and if I'm doing my best and that's just like a bit of logical if you're doing your best and you're not getting the results yeah, you're doing your best. Yeah. But your best isn't good enough. Mm. And and so, but that's also fine. It's also fine for your best not to be good enough because that lets you, and again, go back to what I says earlier about always improving. Yeah. If my best isn't good enough, it's a skill gap. Mm. I just need to go learn how to be better. But so many people cling on to, I get to see this all the time. People are like, yeah, but I'm trying my best. I'm like, if only you get paid for trying your best. If only we all get paid for trying. That would be wonderful. Yeah. Let me just send the clients an invoice for trying. Yeah. I tried today. Can you please pay me? You know, I don't I didn't produce any more yeah. customers for you. I didn't produce any more revenue. But can you pay me because I tried? I'm going to get a big fat no and a horrible email and yeah. probably sent to a psych ward for being nuts. Mm. Because that's just not how... Go try and pay your mortgage on try. Go try and pay your car payments yeah. on try. Like, it's not, it's not happening. So 
I think that's a harsh reality that people have to trying your best doesn't mean anything and I think people cling on to that all the time and you know because people don't want to admit that their best isn't good enough because mm. your ego gets kicked in and then you realise that you're not so come back to earlier as well I says it's quite humbling because mm. you realise that you know my best is good to a certain point like I think I'm really good and I'm really good to a certain point but I'll hit a limit at some point and when I hit my limit I've got to accept that that's my limit I don't yeah. accept it and stay there I accept it and go learn how to go past my limit and go past mm. my, and, and, and go past all these limitations because we all have them. But again, like sport, sometimes a team can go try its best, but I'm just not good enough. Yeah. And that's fine. And a team could go over the hotel tie and go, we just have to get, we just have to be better. Mm. And so I think that's, that's two things actually, because it makes people accountable to themselves. So I think two things happen when people realise that. One, they go in on themselves and they get quite sad because they, they feel bad and realise that, you know they're not good enough to get somewhere and their their actions don't match their goals or whatever their skill level is nowhere near and you know they thought they were a level five and they're actually a level two and so you know we were quite our ego tells us we're better than we are for the most part um but number two it's quite freeing because people also realize they're in control yeah when you have that moment of real accountability of maybe i'm no good enough mm. you feel sad because you're like oh my life's the way it is because i'm i'm no good enough on the flip side, if I get better, everything else will get better on the back, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's two things. But most people don't want to deal with the first one. Yeah. Everybody wants to feel like they can change their life, but nobody wants to accept that what they are where they are because of decisions and actions they took and them trying their best. You know, I worked hard and I tried my best. It doesn't, your best. I had my daughter do this with exams the other week and my wife went through her. She got a B. My wife's like, not acceptable, you need an A. So I, I tried my so best. i would be so if I got a B. She's a straight A student. Yeah. She's a straight A student. And my wife wasn't being horrible. She's like, we're just, your best has to be better. Yeah. And now, God love her, she's gone to every single class for extra mm. tutoring in her school after that. She had, she's a way to get better. Mm. And I'm super proud of her because yeah. she realised her best wasn't good enough. And I think she she knows what she, if it's the right child that I'm thinking of, she knows what she wants to do and yeah, that's her goal. So that's what she wants to work. So yeah. that makes sense, you know, because the reward at the end of it is enough motivation to be like, okay, yeah, I'm not where I need to be. So I need to work on getting better because if I want to be where I have said I am, yep. then I need to focus on on the improvements. Well, she wants to be a neurosurgeon. So yeah. what's she going to say to somebody? Sorry, yeah. I screwed your brain up. I tried my yeah. best. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. She's literally going <laughs> to have people's lives in her yeah. hands. And so that's what we're trying to drill into her is if you want to be someone who performs at that mm. level, your best has to be better all the time it's yeah. not a bee's not acceptable like nearly saving someone's life is not acceptable saving it so yeah. you know if she but again if she didn't want to work on a high performing thing a bee would have been good if she's like i'm not going to see any professions because i don't want to demean anything but now let's face it if you're somebody who works in the medical field and you're a doctor and you're a surgeon mm. it's a high performing human being and there's no room for slip-ups you have to be as perfect as perfect gets yeah so with her you know it was a harsh pill that her best wasn't good enough she got sad for a night and the next day she joined some clubs mm. some people hear that feel that but don't take any action so that's why they stay where they're supposed to be on they never break limits or lim sorry mm. limitations because they do the first part which is feel sad but then they're like but i tried my best and they, their ego clings on to this but i'm trying part which is why i hate participation medals because it's actually teaching people that trying's good again yeah. try and pay your mortgage or your car with trying 
That's some real Watson's wisdom there. <laughs> that's that's funny that we say that that you know we always joke that it's Watson's wisdom and you know a lot of people do come and ask you for advice on things and the big word and in, in sales is network with you um, because they do want to get better. They know where they are at and they're honest about where they're at and they know that their best needs to get better. Um, so a lot of people do kind of come network with you. But how important is networking and sales and how important that is is that to your success? I think it's important to anybody and any industry that mm-hmm. wants to get good. I think it's encouraged way more in our industry. I mean, I've not experienced other industries, so I can't yeah. say that actually. I can't say encourage way more. From my experience, people are more giving with time and people are more giving with information than in other industries I've worked in and I haven't worked in them all, so mm. I don't know. I'm involved with digital media as well and people seem to be quite cool and sharing information and that a lot of the time, so I can't say every industry, but I think... Let's define networking. Net- networking is seeking out information, right? Mm-hmm. Networking is seeking somebody who's, who's... Networking to a lot of people is just making connections, right? You go on LinkedIn and you build your network. You're building connections, but networking the way we are talking about it is seeking information to get you better. It's learning. Uh, it was key for me. It was key for anybody. I don't think anybody gets successful on their own. Anybody. Mm. I'm sure Bezos had people that he went to. I'm, I'm, I'm sure Steve Jobs had people that he learned yeah. from. And it's funny when you hear these people talk, they did have people they looked up to and people they seeked advice from. Uh, you know, there's people, I watched a guy last night talking about paying at Patrick Bet David 10 grand to, to sit and ask questions. And there's people I want to pay money to. We'll not mention names, but there's a list of people online just now that one day I will sit and have a conversation with and ask questions because they're better than me. They play at a much higher level than me. And if I could just sit and ask them questions mm-hmm. for an hour and pick their brains and, and learn things, then I'm obviously going to get ahead. It's kind of a cheat code, right? Networking's yeah. a little cheat code. You find somebody who's good at what you want to get good at and you, you ask them questions and you find out what they know that you don't or you find out what they do that you don't. You you open yourself up to feedback and criticism. And, and, and I think, and again, that's being vulnerable in people, but that's... Cool. Uh, there's a there's there's an old saying: if you're the smartest person in the room, you're the, in the wrong room. Mm-hmm. So I've always tried to be the dumbest person in the room, and if I can help it now, I'm trying to get in the rooms where I'm the, I, I feel poor and I feel horrible and I don't feel successful. I actually mm-hmm. go to Dubai a lot and as much as humanly possible, and it's not the sun because you can get that anywhere. I feel really poor when I go. I feel really not worthless. That's bad. I don't feel like I'm anything. I think I'm a you're a big fish in a, in, in a little pond and then you're a, a small fish in a big pond, right? You're in the ocean there. Yeah. yeah. And, and and so that's good because it just... And then, well, you know, when I'm there, I want to make connections and find people. And even just now, the, the, the gym I'm part of, a lot of my life and places I go eat, I'm, I'm joining Soho House and I'm going to places not because I want to go hang out. I'm going because I know there'll be people there that I can learn stuff mm-hmm. from and I want to build connections and there's, you know, network with people to get information and try to find out how to be better in, not just my field, just in general life. Like, I think even networking, we used to play football in Australia and it's the first time in a long time where I'd been the young boy in the team. I played over 35s. I played with a lot of guys and they're, like, they were 50 years old and, and I never, ever, 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 ever come home from training without having a life lesson. Mm. So I learned, I learned so much for these guys because they'd look at me and go, what are you doing that for? And I used to work every Saturday, every Saturday, and like, why yeah. are you working every Saturday? And I'm like, because I have to. And they're like, you don't take it for it. And so 
I think networking is just like surrounding yourself with people who know more than you do or reaching out and connecting with people who know more than you do, especially in your field, especially in sales, especially in if you want to become, if I want to be a good surgeon like my daughter, I'd want to go hang out with other surgeons. I'd want to go pick the brains. I'd go find, if I had access to the best neurosurgeon and go watch them do their work and, and learn because you're going to you know, stop yourself making mistakes that are, are, aren't necessary because someone else has made them and can do it. But you're going to learn at a much faster rate. So I think networking is good. But again, networking deemed as gone and seeking out information and finding coaches and, and finding new ways of doing things or better ways of doing things in that sense rather than just building connections just because you have a network mm, yeah 100 percent. and i think nowadays especially in 2024 it's a lot different to when you start first asking sales you could only have access to the people that were around you you know in the offices that you were working yeah, with to send or... pigeons to get yeah. messages to people <laughs> yeah but nowadays the world is so small and it is so easy to find yep. you know people externally that's not in your everyday life and it is so mm -hmm. much easier to find kind of access to to lots more people so i think it's silly not to use that and it's silly not to kind of reach out to people and and just absorb as much information from you can from each person and everybody will give you something different you know, it's not you pick one person to network with and they tell you everything about life. It's finding different people that are really good at different things and taking what you can from each person. Um, but that all sounds great. But how do you start? Like, how do you start networking? What is what is the steps that you take to, to actually start doing that? It depends on what capacity. If you're talking about networking specifically in sales and just starting close proximity with people that work in the same mm -hmm. company, Find the best person. It's intimidating, right? If you're going to a new job and then let's say you're going to car sales or window sales mm -hmm. or I don't know, Tesla sales, whatever, right? What's your cars also? But real estate. Going and seeking out the person in that building, in that office, who's the best person, not the most experienced person, but the best person. Yeah. It could be someone in the same role as you, maybe not been there as long. It could be someone that's been there for a long time. People get intimidated by people that are way better than them, so they tend to shy away from them. So, especially if you want to be, I find this quite weird with salespeople who are like, I don't know what to say to someone to network or to reach out and ask for help. I'm like, but you ask customers to sign contracts or buy cars and anybody in the sales industry, I'm like, you ask people to trust you to do things, mm -hmm. but you struggle to sit down and ask someone questions. Uh, I think my approach was bribery in the beginning. I bought people coffees. I'd just say to someone, I'd find the best salesperson. I'm like, hey, do you want a beer? Do you want a coffee? Well, I suppose there's, there's more of a drinking culture. And I used to actually sell to them once I learned it. And I'd just say, hey, Amanda, do you drink Do you drink alcohol? Yeah. You're cool. What do you like? Do you like a gin? Margarita. Do you like paying for it or do you like free gins? Margaritas always taste better free. Sorry, you want a margarita for free? Of course. Are you free right now? Yeah. And I'd take people down to the bar down the stairfield office and I'd buy them a drink yeah. and I'd get my notebook out. And I'd go, hey, whilst I got you, can I ask you some quick questions? They're not exactly going to say no, right? Mm. I buy, I bought people McDonald's, I lunch, coffee. I'm like, you drink coffee and there, do you want a Starbucks on me? They go, yeah, no. you want to walk? They go, yep. And we go and I just say, well, I've got you. And I just ask them loads of questions. When my, uh, one of my sales coaches, I used to, we used to start at 7.30 in the morning and I asked him what time he was in it. And he says he was in at half six and I turn up at half six in the morning. And I asked him what he drank for Starbucks. He says hot chocolate. And every morning I'd rock up with hot chocolate. I gave him a hot chocolate. Cost me two quid mm. to get information that made me 500 quid a week. 
Yeah. Two quid a day. It cost me a tenner a week to get that person's time for an hour before everybody else. So I've done that. So for me, bribery. But I think the main thing is you don't have to bribe if you're not flush with cash. Mm. But I think just God, the worst thing they're going to tell you is no. Go ask for help. Uh, two things I've learned in sales. Two words come to mind. When people I ask this question a lot, like what what things have we, what's your two biggest impacts? They call it an impact, right? What's impacted you the most? I think one, I learned how to ask for help and two, I learned patience with myself. Mm-hmm. I never used to ask for help, quite stubborn, but I learned it. But once I learned the power of asking for help, yeah, like it's just, you just, you know, if you want to know something, you just go find someone who knows about, and someone who you like and someone who you want to be like is also key, right? Because someone might have good information, but you don't like, there's loads yeah. of guys online that have got good info, but you don't like their personality. Mm-hmm. That's not the person I would network with. I'd go find someone who's your vibe because you'll be a lot more open and to listen to what they've got to say. It's dating around again. There's a lot of dating around in sales. Yeah. <laughs> dating podcast, yeah. Swipe right, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I think that's really true. And something that you mentioned there as well, you were talking about, you know, showing up at half six because this person that you viewed as your, your coach and someone that really kind of helped you and that I know from all the stories you've told has had a massive impact on your career. Mm-hmm. Um, you would turn up earlier just to hang out with him. But I know you've always seen a, that person as a coach and a mentor. Mm-hmm. How important is it to have a coach or a mentor in sales, but I guess also in life? I mean, you can do without them, but who's going to tell you that you stink at stuff? Mm. And who's going to stop you making silly mistakes? Imagine trying to go through life without... Imagine trying to go through life without any peers and people you looked up to who could guide you. Mm. Life's bloody hard, right? Let's face it. Schools, even schools hard. Primary schools hard. Secondary schools a nightmare to navigate. Imagine you've done that with nobody to go home and talk to about it. Or yeah. nobody, no teachers to, to guide you, I think. You need coaches. Um, I think there's, there's sports stars are not mentioned names. I don't know how much you're allowed to talk about people online or not, but there's two very famous sports stars who in the same year... Uh, won all their titles, or top of their game, fired their coaches and won nothing the next year. Wow. Nothing. They, um, you always need someone there to coach you, even if you're the most self-motivated, highly driven, highly successful person, you need to find someone to coach. I think it's super, I get lost without coaches or someone mm-hmm. to go talk to because, and lost is probably the right word, let's put it put it like this. Imagine driving somewhere with no sat-nav that you'd never been before, which to me is trying to get somewhere without a coach. That's it. And it happens in my career even now. Like, I'm seeking coaches. I'm seeking advice. I'm looking at courses. I'm looking at people. I'm trying to learn. Another good thing now you spoke about, I can learn, like, indirectly learn from people without them knowing I'm learning from them. Instagram, buying books, listening to podcasts, audio books. Like, there's loads that you can learn directly from people without actually having to sit in a room and and talk to those people but i look at coaches like a sat nav yeah that's that and and we've all not used the sat nav and got lost and frustrated and wish we had used that and we've all used the sat nav and it's a breeze because all you do with the sat nav you tell the sat nav the destination and the sat nav knows all the ways there and it goes this way is motorway and this way is longer with no traffic and it gives you options that's a coach to me you tell the coach where you want to get to and they tell you your options of getting there. You pick your options of getting there and they guide you through it and all you have to do is be coachable mm-hmm. and listen to instructions. So it's effortless. Now, going without the sat-nav, you might get it right, but you also could get it wrong 55 times yeah. as well. So 
I think finding coaches, you save yourself a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. And I hear this all the time. It's like, oh, I just like doing things the hard way. Well, good for you. I don't like doing things. No. That, you know, I'll deal with whatever comes and I'm willing to put up with the hard stuff. Yeah. But if I find a way of making it easier, of course I'm going to make it easier. That's so true. And I think part of having a coach, and we'll probably finish this because I think we're finishing up on time-wise, but yep. part of having a coach and part of having a mentor is also someone to not just give you advice, but also hold you accountable for things. You know, yep. I remember a while ago we were talking about, you know, you've always been fit you've always been to the gym you've always kind of looked after yourself but you wanted that to take that to the next level and you were kind of looking around for a coach and someone to help you and I remember you saying to me I need to find someone who makes me who can make me angry and who can push me and someone that does hold you accountable and, and yep. does kind of tell you when you're not you're not doing good enough and things like that because I think that's where that growth actually does happen yep. and it's drastically changed your life the last couple of years but how important is it and when you go in to have a coach how important is it to be vulnerable with them and how important is it to kind of drop that ego and how do you go about that because that is really really hard to do that is I thought we were going to talk about my abs that we just got there but no we're not going to get down drop that. that in he's 44 if you didn't know <laughs> two years of hard work I see those bad boys again but it is it's, no, it's nicer been than they were when I was in my 20s <laughs> they've matured which is great I, just, I think it's really stupid to ask someone to coach you and then not drop your ego we'll use my my health coach right we'll use aris and the boy that's been coaching me for the past couple of years and my health and fitness journey and i suppose living a long life journey right or being better whatever we want to call it i remember him i had to teach, i had to coach him how to coach a little mm. bit because he was he always asked me if everything was all right and all my coaches in life never asked me if it's all right the coach coaches are there to to get me good, not to make me feel good. And I think that's a, a, a misconception with people is they think, oh, my coach has to be in it. No, 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 no. My job if I'm coaching you is to get you good. Mm. And that probably means I'm probably going to have to upset you because I'm going to have to tell you a lot of things you don't want to hear. Yeah. I'm going to hurt you to you go, but you're going to do it. You have to do it. But for me, when I was talking to Aris, I found it quite weird. And he's like, is this all right? Is that all right? And he's like, you need to eat salmon. Do you like salmon? I'm like, I hate salmon. I absolutely despise that. And he's like, oh, if you don't want to eat it. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Are you telling me it's good for me? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, so I'll eat mm -hmm. it. So if you say it's good for me and you're the coach, I'm going to be coachable and I'm going to do it. But I remember I asked him and then one of our first conversations when this was happening in the beginning. I'm like, do you have people argue with you? And he's like, yes. I'm like, let me get this right. You have people pay you 500 quid a month to coach them on what to do to be better and eat better and and train better and they argue with your advice and he's like yeah and i'm like not i wasn't frustrated for him i'm like why would you ask somebody for advice and then argue with her mm. i don't yeah i don't and i get that all the time when i'm coaching people i'm like don't if you're not willing to accept the answer and accept the coaching don't get coached mm. because again but people think i think a lot of time people get coached and they want the coach to tell them what they want to hear but that's not that's not it. I just, so you got to be vulnerable. I think before you ask somebody to coach you in anything, I had to be vulnerable. This guy asked me to take my picture of my top off. I'm, I was, I didn't like what was there. It's vulnerable. You have to get tell you you're out of shape and you're bad and it's not good enough and you don't eat well and what you think was healthy isn't healthy mm -hmm. and how hard you train you think is good. And I'm using that as an example, but in anything. So 
I think there's a thing called being coachable. My coach taught me this, or one of my coaches, I've had loads of coaches through my life in sports and business and sales and all this stuff, right? I've, just in life. But I remember one of them saying to me, he's like, if you want me to coach you, when I tell you to do something, shut up and do it mm. and do it with a good attitude and do it to the best of your ability, trusting that what I'm telling you to do is for your benefit. Yeah. Like it or don't like it. He says, don't not question why. Don't not question what I'm getting you to do. Just don't do it whilst I'm telling you to yeah. do it. And so I would, I, he would do that with me and he would coach me and I would do it and I'd do it with bells on and I'd grab him later that night or the next day and I'd go, all right, you told me to do this yesterday. Please explain why. And he would explain his reasons behind and why it was beneficial to me. And then my ego went out the window and even we're talking, my, my health coach, we're talking Aris, I'm weeks into taking supplements or weeks into doing something in training and some days, and loads of people say, why are you taking that? Why are you doing this? And I'm like, I don't know. My coach told me to take it and I blindly do what he does. And I'm three weeks into taking a supplement that I've never heard of before in my whole entire life. Three weeks after swallowing it three times a day and I'm like, why am I taking this supplement? <laughs> what, what? And he just laughs at me and he's like, it's for this. And I'm like, I, I trust there's a... A reason. good reason. He actually, we're not getting into it, and especially you, I'm not getting into it. He, he sent me something that's, he says, weird. He says, we're going to try something that's really weird. Uh, it's something that's done in the Far East, and and and, and he's like, it's just going to help, though, with your gut, sort of do with your gut, right, and your instincts, and going with that and energy, right? But he says to me, it's really weird. And then, and I says, we get past weird a while ago. And he says to me, you just need to, trust me on it and I'm like if you're telling me there's a level of trust and I'm like if you're telling me that this is going to help me I don't need you to explain it to me I don't need you to defend that I trust you yeah. wholeheartedly but that again finding someone who you trust that much to become that coachable that's a lot of hard work because it is hard to find people yeah. that you're going to undeniably trust that what they're telling you to do is for your benefit and do it with bells on funnily enough I like Sam and I really enjoy it it's in the office stinking it up all the time. I had, to eat, I had to eat it about 25 times before I actually got excited about eating it. And every time I ate it, I hated him a little bit. And sometimes in the gym, I hate him. But he's also the person I send my accomplishments to first. Mm. When I, I get excited about Sam, he's the first person I message. So getting coached off somebody, there's that, you know, there's boxing coaches, there's, there's track coaches, there's, there's loads of people who... It's a love-hate relationship and you hate them when they're making you do stuff and telling it like your parents, right? You hate them. But there comes a point when you realise how good it was for you and you're really grateful and you're you're really thankful. But I think it's important to have that. Coaches, again, I'm a super self-motivated person. I don't need anybody to tell me to get my bed and do stuff and go for it. And I'll run myself into the... In fact, the first thing he told me was to train less. I'll do that. But I still need somebody there to keep me accountable. Even the fact that I know that he's going to ask me how things are going and check my stats makes me do stuff a little yeah. bit to, to, to the best of my ability because I know someone else is going to question it. If it's just me, and you tell yourself we stories are, are not doing stuff. So I think it's key for everybody if I coach in anything that they do. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think, like you said, that accountability is so important, but also it's a coach's job to make you uncomfortable sometimes. And yeah. we always say yeah. that growth happens when you're uncomfortable. And I think that goes back to the start, you know, this podcast today was about sales and sales does take you outside your comfort zone mm -hmm. but what you can get from stepping out your comfort zone I think is just 
incredible and the opportunities that you get from it are so so good so i think that's a nice place to finish even though i only got to halfway through my question oh we're gonna have to <laughs> we know we're gonna have to do it amanda read me these questions yesterday and i'm like man we've lost our turbos ages ago so i yeah. i guess we'll have to do our sales part two and yeah. uh, if you're listening to it thanks for listening yeah thanks